For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. When we last joined you on Thursday night for the Illegal Curve post-game show following the Jets and the Blackhawks, at some point during that broadcast, my very dear friend, Mr. Ginsburg, said that he was engaging in anaerobic activities, to which Dave and I just sort of smiled and smirked and probably moved on with our lives, only to be informed this morning by Scardi that anaerobic activities means without oxygen so it is highly unlikely mr ginsburg that you are engaging in anaerobic exercise and with that i was shoveling and i wasn't breathing and i needed (laughs) oxygen so that was anaerobic activity so i (laughs) oh man shoveling the first time was a lot easier i mean like like most good manitobans you have to do a, an initial shovel. You don't wait for the snow to end. You have to go out there and do a, a pre-shovel, right? Drew yeah. wouldn't know that because he has a team of people that, that uh, plow you know his property. My, but You know who my team of people is? I, um, when did it snow? When was the snowstorm? Sort of Thursday into Friday, something like that? Yeah. yeah. So I woke up Friday morning, uh, you know, earlier than I usually do. I was, you know, got dressed, was on my way outside to, to shovel, only to find out that my incredible wife had already done the shoveling. Whoa, are you, oh. is this, is this, a, are you like a counselor Reyes right now? Like what's going on here? I'm not counselor Reyes. Why I did you take, I you take a picture of Laura? I, I should have, first of all, I think he's, he, isn't he an MLA? I'm not even sure he's a I counselor. Know. I think he's an MLA. I, I didn't take a picture of her, but I do want to point out and give full marks to her that she not only shoveled uh, first thing in the morning, but because she beat me home uh, after I was picking up the kids, she shoveled in the afternoon. As Laura is a saint, you're a lucky man, Drew. Don't ever I, forget that. And and then she followed that up by making a delicious meal. So I am definitely Again, a very lucky, lucky man. man. Don't ever forget that she's a saint. Yes, good on Laura. Good on Laura is right. And with that nonsense, uh, starting off the show, you know we're in a good mood. We say good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe. And welcome to a game day edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It's going to be a fun one in downtown Winnipeg, a buzz in the air Anytime the Philadelphia Flyers come to town, not one of the original six, but in my books, for all intents and purposes, they sort of are, especially with their long time ties. Well, they've been the around province. since 1967, so they've been around for uh, what is that? Let me do the math. What is that? 60 years, something like that. Yeah, 62, but close enough. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll give you a pass there. Uh, no, hang on, that's not right. I'm like that's, not 62. Uh, that's 57, 57 years. Sorry, is I did the, uh, I did the I did addition instead of subtraction there. It's not like my dad's a former math professor or anything. Well, clearly the apple didn't fall far from the tree, except it did fall very far. And you know, Ariella has either. the math gene. It's Drew is a rat, rotten drew. apple for for top from 7-Eleven. Let's be yeah, realized. there you go. That's the apple he eats. In any event, what I was saying is, of course, it's going to be a fun night in downtown Winnipeg. The Jets and the Flyers. 
which means that illegalcurve.com and this show will be your resource all day long for everything going on between the Jets and Philadelphia. Lots to keep an eye on at morning skate for the Jets, mm-hmm. uh, as that'll get underway in about, I think, about 25 minutes time. We'll see who hits the ice because we know there are injury concerns and there are a lot of question marks for the Jets entering tonight's game. Uh, Mark Shifley. So we'll start with him mm-hmm. after uh, he left uh, early in the second period on Thursday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. The official diagnosis, of course, is lower body injury, and it's a day-to-day time frame. So he's not ruled out for today's game. Against Did you guys the see what Joe Pascucci tweeted out, by the way? I didn't. What did Joe tweet? Are you know the video about Robertson? Uh, the uh, did he get? Uh, is that who Shifley got mixed up with? Yeah, at the end of the first period. Yeah, so so for those who don't know, Joe Pascucci right. went back because remember on the post game show we were trying to figure out if something happened, mm-hmm. you know, a few a few shifts earlier, yeah. and it looked like he got tied up with uh, Robertson as he was um, taking a shot. Yeah. As he was taking a shot, so I, I, it's it still doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but it, it's safe to say that it's what did we say upper lower body groin whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but as Rick Bonus said, I mean, Dave knows because he was there yesterday. Um, uh, Rick Bonus said that, you know, it, he took himself out of the game on purpose as a precaution. And we're not quite sure. There you go. I think I think we're going to play it here. Yeah, we are going to play the video here. This courtesy of our good friend Joe Pascucci, of course. So you watch Shifley. He's, he's about to get it when he gets the shot. Just right here. And boom. Oh. You see his leg kind of. Sort of gets tangled up there. Yeah. Fall yeah. awkwardly ice. So Joe is uh, is speculating that uh uh that's where it occurred. The uh the the you know groin or the lower body injury may have occurred. So of course we so, will on no, if you wa- if watch it watch this through because now if you you can see like there's that point where Shifley kind of takes a step to see how it's feeling and then he then he looks okay because the period ends and then he goes he goes to check. Oh, this is the end. This is where he does that he pulls up that's, a little bit yeah, yeah. that's in the second period where he where no he no no up. i know but what i'm saying is in the first period if joe if you watch the end of that video because i went back i had the tape game recorded so i watched it and if you watch the end of that first he kind of tests it a little bit mm-hmm. after that that collision um but then you then he goes straight at it because someone was going after morrissey so then so he, he looked fine he came up for the second took the face off and then as you showed it on was the Jason video. Dickinson, not Robertson. Sorry, Dickinson. That's what I meant. Yeah, but, Jason uh, Robertson doesn't play yeah, on when, Chicago. Yeah. When you said Robertson, I, <laughs> I, know, I, I, know. I didn't want I to say it. anything, Dave. And I, I was like, because the reality is, I mean, half the team was the Rockford Ice Hogs. So there could have been a Robertson in the lineup. I have no idea. But I, I no. think it was Jason Dickinson. No, you're right. It was Dickinson. I got the sun part right. But anyways, the point is that, that you know, it, it, we weren't sure. We weren't sure. You know, it was all speculation. Like I said, when we did the show, I said, watching it live, I thought when he turned, when they gave up the two on one, I thought that's where it, it took place. And that's where you could see he, he realized something was off. And as you said, as he, and as Rick bonus told us yesterday, he said, um, when uh, Mike McIntyre, the free press said, you know, that's a good thing that, that, you know, Shifley took himself. He said, it is a good thing. The way he pulled up when he was skating and the way he left the ice and didn't come back, you know, he's a tremendous competitor and those guys will fight through anything. So he took the precautionary route and that was a smart thing to do. And look, none of us were expecting, Day-to-day, to to be honest with you. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone was certain it was going to be – and, again, when the team says day-to-day, it could still be week-to-week. Like, you never know what day-to-day is going to be. David Gustafson traditionally is day-to-day, and that usually goes on. I mean, when was the last time he played? December 29th. So it's already been a few weeks for a guy who's dealing with something that seemed fairly uh, inconsequential. But what I'm getting with with Mark Scheifele is we weren't certain where it was going to go. 
and we weren't certain what was going to happen. And then what they do is they end up recalling Rasmus Kupari from the Moose. So he plays the one game uh, against Belleville on Wednesday. And Are then, we going to yeah, give it, me my, my props here? Yeah, yeah, we will give you Thursday your Thursday night, we were talking about who could be called up. Brent Bellamy had in the chat, he was suggesting Brad Lambert. Who yeah. said that it could be Rasmus Kupari, this guy? Well, who said it wouldn't be Brad Lambert? This guy, because I didn't both, think it was. You guys both get all the dap in the world. You're <laughs> both very big smart. Big brains, right, Drew? Yeah, big, big brains, big brains are intimidating me as per usual. Uh, and also worth noting, of course, that Nikolai Ehlers left practice early as he's dealing with something uh, upper, upper body, body. related. Yeah. Uh, and Cole Perfetti is not at 100%. So the option of him moving to center well, uh, was sort of poo-pooed by Rick Bonus because he's dealing with a wrist injury, which would impact face-offs. Well, and, and the funny and part, Bones funny was, part, sorry, Dave, I just wanted to say Bones was like, just dropping like nugget after nugget. Uh, Cause I don't think anybody like knew anything about the Cole Perfetti injury. At all. He, the best part about it was nobody knew even after Rick bonus was speaking, but he's got to remember we, so we, he, Dave, Rick you bonus mean all-star Rick bonus, all-star Rick bonus, but you got to understand like, so we're sitting there in the Matt Frost media center. Rick bonus does his media availability, of course, available on our YouTube channel. And so, or on illegalcurve.com in the practice report, but the fact of the matter is, so I'm, I, we're, we're talking about Shifley. Okay, that's significant. Then he mentions Ehler, Ehler, sorry. So he, he, he leaves, you know, early and, and again, dealing with an upper body. Uh, Axel Johansson Fielby, he gives an update saying he wasn't on the ice yesterday. He's still dealing with illness. So he, you know, didn't skate yesterday. And so we're, we're, and I, so what happens is we're in the, in the work area of the Matt Frost. And it's, uh, it was actually just Scott Billick and I left at that point. And I'm listening to the video of Rick because I'm just, you know, uh, breaking up the topics on our YouTube channel and I'm listening to him. And, and then I hear him say something about Cole Perfetti and his wrist. And I'm like, oh, that's significant. I'm like, I didn't even catch that when he mentioned when he was because John Lewis asked him about who would potentially move to center if Mark Scheifele is not available. Mm -hmm. And he said, would it be Cole Perfetti? Would it be Gabriel Velarde? And then that's when Rick offered the idea of. Uh, Cole Perfetti, but to be honest with you, we all missed it. And then I mentioned it to Scott, and then Scott was like, "Oh yeah, he did say that." And then we kind of went from there. But it was just, it was just a. You're you're right. Nobody was expecting him to kind of give that sort of level of detail because usually he's so caged. So I, I, whether it was an inadvertent slip or not, regardless, it did give us a little insight into the fact that Cole Perfetti is dealing with something. And yes, look, it's the middle part of the season. Everybody in the league is dealing with something, but it was just something that we weren't aware of that Rick Bonus uh, volunteered. And uh, it's unusual, I would say. And, and Drew, I'm not sure if you want to talk about, you know, the potential, what, what the Jets might do if Shifley and AJF are out of the lineup. But it's, it's probably the most complex situation, if you think about it, right? Because Gabe Velarde is obviously playing so well mm -hmm. with Shifley and Ehlers, right? But also Dave Perfetti, who started the season as, as the 2C, yeah. he's been playing so well on the wing as well, right? So it's, it's not the... Like, I guess you could have Adam Lowry centering the top line, but then obviously, you know, that affects the third line. So, right. I, I mean, first off, we don't know how many guys are going to be out of the lineup. It could be both Shifley and Axel Janssen Fialbi, or they could both be in the lineup, right? So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's really tough to figure out what might happen because we don't know who 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 might not be in the lineup. 
Well, that's why morning skate, which will be starting in about 15, 15 minutes, minutes, and the guys yeah. usually hit the ice a few minutes before that. Will Dan be Robertson's so going to clear everything up, right, Drew? Well, Dan Robertson's going to join us. Jets broadcaster's going to join us in about 15 minutes as well. But that's why there is sort of the the elements of, of intrigue or mm-hmm. questions, you know, surrounding who the Winnipeg Jets are going to have available to them tonight. They're playing a Philadelphia Flyers team that has certainly been, I think, one of the surprises uh, of the NHL uh, so far this year. They're playing, you know, they're still you know third in the metropolitan division they maybe have uh, fallen off a little bit from where they were maybe two three weeks ago but they're still in a playoff spot a team that nobody had any playoff expectations for this year and we know that the drama surrounding Philadelphia from earlier this week involving Cutter Goche and Jamie Drysdale will deal with that all in the bottom of our number two Drew, did Anthony... you catch the Flyers wild game last night by any well, chance I did so the so if for those of you who missed it so it's the second half of a back-to-back for Philadelphia uh, and I think it speaks to how well John Tortorella has them believing because they're down 3-1 to the to the wild yesterday. And then they stage a pretty impressive comeback. Uh, woe to be a wild fan right now, uh, culminating in a 4-3 overtime victory for the Flyers. So they come back from a two-goal deficit to defeat the Minnesota Wild uh, in St. Paul last night. Just a few uh, so- things, though, to note about that game. Ryan yeah. Hartman... Scored the second goal. It was a weak goal on Carter Hart. Carter Hart has, uh, he, he's had a bit of a tough season. And Samuel Urson, not a household name. We're going to ask Anthony Sanfilippo about Samuel Urson. Urson has as many wins this year as Carter Hart. He's right. So he's most likely, Sam. She scared the, that was a nice little surprise. Oh, isn't that cute? Hi. How's it going? And Aaron. Okay, you guys scared me. Hey, guys. All of a sudden, somebody's touching me over here. And Sam, do you think the Jets are going to win tonight? Sammy, you think the Jets are going to win tonight? Yeah. Aaron says, yeah. Sammy, what do you think? They're playing Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Sam says yes as as well. I already knew your kids were smart, but you don't bet against the Jets right now. (laughs) Love you. (laughs) So what I was going to say is that uh, Carter Hart let in a weak goal, and the Wild went up 2-1. But for those who didn't see the game, Joel Farabee, uh, he scored the winning goal in overtime. Um, on a power was, play, right? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Matt Zuccarello took a tripping penalty, and in uh, late in the third period, I believe, or early in in overtime. And anyways, Joel Farabee tipped a point shot in, and uh, the Flyers won. But I believe, guys, the Wild have lost like five games in a row now at home. Like they're really wow. struggling. Yeah, it's well, amazing they... to think that they were once, they, if they would have swept the Jets, they would have been four points back of Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and they're currently 21 points back of Winnipeg. Well, I mean, it, it, again, yeah. like, we're not surprised, but, like, you know, that's it, it is a remarkable turnaround from two weeks well, ago. So The divergent paths that have been taken yeah. by the Jets and the Wild since, since 10, 11 days ago is, is, is incredible. To, to, Jets, I mean, to drop remembered. that far. Guys, don't uh, look it, now, but the Wild are only 21 points behind the Jets. Yeah, but, I mean, if you if you even look at what... Jets, Dave, that's a big point for them. <laughs> Fair point is, but the fact of the matter is that even even team like Dallas now is what uh, seven points back of Winnipeg or something well, like that. So Dallas lost last night to Nashville. Uh, yeah, on home Nashville. Don't look now. Nashville keeps that rolling. So yeah. uh, you know, but again, the Jets are currently on an eight game winning streak. Uh, you know, they're fourteen points in fourteen straight. This is a team that uh, continues to chug along. So, so that- and I, by the way, I just want to I want to pick up on the point that uh, KWB Kenny's water bottle just made. About Mark Shifley, my anticipation for today would be that he you're, you're not going to rush him back. I why agree. would you? Why would you take a risk of doing anything that's going to points right now? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you can afford to, to sit him. I mean, obviously, like I said, Rasmus Kapari clearly ready to go. I mean, he had some rust in the game that uh, camera angle in Belleville was atrocious. So when people were asking me yesterday at the skate, how, how he looked, I'm like, I couldn't tell you. They were all ants. It was a terrible camera. But the fact of the matter is he got in a skate. He got, they would have obviously liked him to play last night in Laval. And again, today in Laval before they recalled him, but he's, he's clearly ready to, uh, to, to go. And so they'll, they'll bring him back. And, and Rick bonus did say yesterday that he anticipates Rasmus Kupari playing and look, if Mark Shively can't go, then they'll ultimately, I suspect they'll just go 11 and seven, I but, uh, or they'll, or if actually on some PLB, I should say also can't go, but if they've got Rasmus Kupari in, they've got enough forwards to go 12 and six. And again, like I said, the way this team is, is chugging along, you know, the, we talked about it with Cole Perfetti and Vladimir Mesikov yesterday, both, you know, just that next man up mentality. And so uh, we'll see if they can do it, but I just want to get the point, like in my my if I was guessing and we'll and like you said we'll find out in 10 minutes where we can remove it from a, a guess but I would think that they wouldn't take I'm a risk getting those of, vibes uh, as well that, that yeah. Shifley's not going to play that's just a hunch yeah but I, I don't think you say day-to-day unless there's a, a good chance that he might not play like you yeah. could easily just say you know it's a game time decision because because these guys you know coaches teams they're very careful with I mean they know exactly what they're going to say Rick Bonus knew exactly what question was going to be asked right Dave Yep. So, I, I, right so now, the, at the, the very least, it's 50-50. So, let's go on the presumption that Shifley doesn't play for tonight's mm-hmm. game. And I would agree with you, Dave, that it wouldn't surprise me if they went 11-7. and seven. Uh, They were almost going to go 11-7 and seven on uh, on Thursday night against yeah, Chicago. Yeah, Logan, Logan Stanley took warm-up skate. Right. And regardless, we, you know, we can deal with the uh, the concept of Logan Stanley over Declan Chisholm in that role, you know, in a, another time during the show today. So if it is 11 and seven, how do you foresee, you know, the line juggling occurring? Do you me- do you move somebody that's had a great deal of success on the wing up the middle like a Gabe Velarde? Or do you try and maybe, you know, move a Lowry up? Do you, you know, leave maybe the second line intact with with Nemesnikov? I mean, again, coaches usually defer to making as few changes as possible at least to start mm-hmm. a game so how do you foresee the Jets sort of lining up to start tonight against Philadelphia with the asterisk being that we expect Shifley to not necessarily be in the lineup are you talking to me I'm talking to you oh <laughs> well no, Robert I mean, it, De Niro and taxi driver there yeah you talking to me uh no I mean look I, I think it's a good it's a good question and I, I guess we could just save the segment for 15 minutes from now when we know the answer, but I guess, look, you're right. Rick bonus was asked about that. And that that's the problem. Like we don't really have any sort of insight as to what he's prepared to do. Is he just mm-hmm. going to throw Rasmus Kupari into the Shifley spot? Is he going to move Morgan Barron? Morgan Barron, you got to remember has also been had played some center. So maybe Morgan Barron moves up because we've been talking about Morgan Barron deserving a little more opportunity. So maybe he moves up to a center role. Um, and again, an 11 and seven, you know, depending on if you go 11, seven, if they go 12 and six, you know, we, we asked about Adam Lowry because Adam Lowry, you remember, got the move up and what happens? The Jets got two goals when he was up, uh, moved up ahead. So, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I, here's the reality. I think if it's, if it's one game, I yeah. don't think, I don't think any line is so sacrosanct that you can't actually adjust them right now. Right. Like I don't I would think imagine that Dave that, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, it's fine. But Gabe, I would imagine, you know, we, we have the comment, uh, I'll post it here from Bob's videos. Um, I would imagine if they're going to move a guy from wing to center, yeah. I, w- I would think it would be easier 
to move Velarde just in the sense that we know that Perfetti's dealing with an injury. Right. So I do think that factors in a little bit, right? Like it was a wrist, if I'm not mistaken, that he that bonus yeah. mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right. So face-offs, I mean, yeah, he's not if going I, to if I, if I if look again, we're playing speculation station here, mm-hmm. but if Shifley isn't ready to go and AJF isn't ready, I mean, we know Kupari is going to be in the lineup. Rick yeah. Bonus said specifically, not verbatim, but he said that uh that Kupari is going to go in the lineup. So we know one of Axel Janssen, Fialbi, and Mark Scheifele isn't playing, right? So Kupari right. is a natural center. So obviously, you know, Kupari, it makes sense. You plug him into the fourth line. Uh, and then Morgan Barron and Dominic Toninato. I mean, actually, that's not true. Kupari, I guess, could play on the wing with Tom- Toninato centering. But the point is, I think, you know, Velarde and Perfetti obviously were drafted as centers. I, my best guess, I think, you know, I'll get your take on it, guys, but I would imagine that it would be maybe Velarde moves to center. I, I would think it would be Velarde really seems to between be the, the two. If it's like Velarde or Perfetti moving to center, I would well, I would lean towards Velarde. I, I think the Perfetti option that ship sailed by when when they talked about his wrist yeah, injury yesterday. Exactly. So I think you know Velarde, and then the question really becomes who moves up to play with Ehlers, assuming they keep that, you know, the, the, the two of them there, Ehlers on the wing, who moves up to take that opportunity? I mean, it would not surprise me if it's a guy like Morgan Barron uh, who jumps up, you know, and, and gets yep. that opportunity to sort of slide in there in an elevated role. That way you're maybe keeping, uh, you keep the third line together, you know, with uh, with Lowry and Niederreiter and and Appleton. You keep the second line together with, uh, with, uh, Perfetti and and Nemesnikov. And... It's a good point by Aaron there, by the way, Drew, that this is the first time all three of the Kings have been together since game three. Yeah, exactly. So maybe you move Baron up to, to play in that, give him an opportunity to, to play in an elevated role, having done mm-hmm. really the yeoman's work on the fourth line for so long. See if there's, uh, you know, for a, even if it's only a one night or a two night audition, I think yeah. that he probably earned that opportunity to move up and get some of that uh, uh, bigger playing time. And again, you're, the Jets, the timing of this, I mean, the timing of this is never ideal. Let's assume that, you know, Shifley's out, but the timing of this isn't ideal, but you're really entering a bit of a, a soft spot fought in the schedule uh after tonight's game you really you play tuesday so you got two days off or yeah. you know uh, you know and then you play saturday and then yeah. you know next week you only have three games so really there as our buddy mike mcintyre mentioned you know after tonight the jets have five games in something like a 20 plus day stretch so if you're yeah. going to get banged yeah. up this is the time to really do it if for, you know if there's I mean, they've been big. Yeah, we should mention, Drew, that that's because of the all-star break, just for those people who don't know. I mean, obviously, right. a lot of people know that. All-star but break and bye week. There you go. So that's that's why there's so few games. But um, I, I think it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, you just mentioned that you have two days off before the game against the Islanders, and then you have another three days off. I forget who they play next okay. after that. Well, hang who do on, they play after the Islanders? So Mitchell Clinton, Jets, uh, oh. Jets uh, analyst on CJOB Power 97, the radio broadcast. It's an optional for the Jets this morning, yeah. so maybe we won't get that much more insight. But a very interesting perspective is that Kyle Connor is on the ice in a regular jersey. Yeah, we had a feeling that was going to be happening soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's looked so. By good. the way, Drew is not saying that that Connor is going to play. That's no, not no, what Drew's no, saying. no, no. Connor will not be in the lineup tonight. That would be too soon. That would be uh, that, would, that be would be fun. a stutter. 
It would be a stunner to me if he was in the lineup tonight. A number one um, stunner. You're obviously close to where he's going to be in the lineup, barring any sort of setback. He's going to be in the lineup, if not Tuesday, then you know likely Saturday against Ottawa, probably, given that you're going to have some practice time this week, given that you're going to have some opportunity to get him into some uh, battle drills and some contact and everything else, which means uh, by my, you know, I'm not a, a calendar uh, whiz or a mathematician, but I believe that would put him ahead of schedule, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Dave? Yeah, well, I mean, he took the injury was suffered on December 10th. So, uh, you know, oh, just you, you can do you can do the math. We're at four, just over four weeks now. Right. And uh, I mean, Rick Bonus didn't want to suggest that he was going to be coming back way ahead of schedule. And I mean, what the original prognosis was four to six weeks, was it not? So I thought it was six to eight or six to eight. Was it six to eight? Like, honestly, yeah. the problem is that you they throw it around like it's, it's no big deal. Four to six, six to eight. Yeah. So regardless, that, I mean, that I, next game, by the way, is that I was talking about after the Islanders game is, is Ottawa. 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 Yeah. Next Saturday afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it, but we could see it from his skating. His skating looked good yesterday. Yeah. He and Mark Scheifele had a little two on one chance and you're like, this guy probably won't be in it. And we, we've been talking about it, uh, you know, while watching practice, it didn't seem like he was going to be in a, in a non-contact Jersey for much longer. Um, and he and Gustafson even were involved in some things that, that were pretty close to a contact yesterday during practice. So um, not a surprise that Kyle Connor has uh, switched out of the, the non-contact to a regular jersey. Well, there you go. So that's so far what we know from the morning skate for the Winnipeg Jets. So why don't we head to break? I can see that Dan Robertson is getting queued up to join us. So let's take our first commercial break. When we come back, the Jets play-by-play broadcaster on TSN3 joins us. And, of course, we'll bring you the latest from what happens at morning skate ahead of this after this evening's Jets-Flyers game. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, our good friend Dan Robertson up next. You're live on our YouTube channel. 9.30 in the morning, bottom of hour number one. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Saturday morning, later tonight, the Illegal Curve post-game show, final, following the Jets and the Flyers. I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Dave Manuk's in the right. Ezra Ginsburg's in the bottom middle for now because we're pleased to welcome to the program from TSN3. You know him as the Jets play-by-play broadcaster on the TSN broadcast. Our good friend Dan Robertson joins the program. Dan, good morning. Nice to see you. How are things? Uh, things are well. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure to have you on. Here's a quick update from Morning Skate. We mentioned Kyle Connor in a regular jersey. Nikolai Ehlers is on the ice. Rasmus Kupari is on the ice. And Axel Janssen-Fialbi is also on the ice for the Jets ahead of this evening's game against the Flyers. So let me ask you this, Mr. Robertson. If uh, Mark Scheifele is unable to go tonight, how do you how do you foresee the Jets sort of rejigging the forward lines to account for that absence? Well, I suppose Kapari would come back in and uh, maybe people would bump up. They would just change the line combinations. I don't know if it would be as simple as Nemestikov being uh, sent to the first line and Lowry to the second. I don't I don't think that would make much sense, really. Uh, I guess the other side of it is, and I skipped morning skate, too, because we're not doing the game tonight. So any chance I get to skip morning skate, I always, <laughs> I always take it. Uh, so the, the thing is, I guess you don't want to, um, have to rely on Kapari if he is going to play for too many minutes because he's been off for so long. So maybe he centers the fourth line and gets kind of spot duty and they they scramble things up a little bit. But doesn't seem to matter who's in or who's out uh, the last little while. They, they all play the same when they don't have the puck, as Rick would say. They're looking great. Dan, what's it been like for you as a play-by-play broadcaster to cover this first-place team? Because I imagine your approach hasn't changed. Um but I think you would agree that last year, especially in the second half of the season, 
Um, I mean, there were some there were some pretty bad stretches, a lot of losses for the Jets. They were uh, one of the, the the worst teams in the league in the the second half of the season. So, what's it been like for you and Kevin, uh, you know, to call a, a team that's having so much success right now? It's a lot of fun for us. We both realize, and we're the first to say, we don't work for the Jets, but you want to see them do well. I mean, we're around them. We, we travel on their plane and stay in their hotel and that sort of thing. So um, we're not part of the team, but we know the staff well, and you like to see the hard work rewarded. I mean, I, I've been around long enough to, to know what it's like to, to deal with some teams that are terrible. I mean, I, I did Canadians games for eight years, and through eight, through eight years, a lot of teams will be up and they'll be down, and there was some really... You know, games, there'd be games in November. It was Sergio Mamesso and I would do the games together. We'd look at each other and say, this is over already. We've got, you know, how many months, four or five months ahead of us of losing hockey. So, but it, it's good. It makes you, I don't know, it gives me anyway a little bit more energy. And Kev always has a lot of energy too. So it, it's a nice feeling to kind of, like, I'll, I'll just give you an example. The other night they're playing Chicago, obviously, and Chicago's run down and decimated. Uh, by the, the other side of the coin, the Jets have been really busy and they were trying to find their energy. But you still sort of thought, OK, they're going to win this just because they found ways to pull it out. And and I'm, I'm just thinking, God, I want a Jets goal to call because I had the feeling that if and when they did score, the place was going to go nuts because the pl- it was filled. And uh, I think everybody I think you can feel, too, not to get too far off track, but that there's a lot of energy building within the fan base. So then they score once. And then when the Eagles scored, it's like, all right, this is what we're here for. So it, that's a long worded way of saying it. it's a lot of fun when the team, whatever team you're, you're following or calling for is going well. You know, Dan, have you noticed a difference off the ice with this team because as you said you know we're often at morning skate where it seems like to me that the vibe is a little different this year and, and winning will always make it a lot more fun there was a lot more joy and joyville as former jets coach claude noel used to say but <laughs> are you noticing because as you said you're on the plane you're in the hotel you see these guys even in a different capacity than we do when we're around them in the in the locker room so what are you noticing kind of a different vibe this year obviously with the transition from captaincy and all the other changes that have taken place yeah, well, I think the last thing you touched on is something a lot of us have talked about. And I, I was only here for the one year when Wheeler was captain. But, I mean, you, you hear um, rumblings of it, just how things are a lot more relaxed now. And, and other people's opinions matter more. Not to say they didn't uh, previously, but um, I think, like, the other day we were in Arizona. And, and that was in Tempe, I should say. And that was a different circumstance, too, because the fathers and the, the mentors, I guess, were on the trips. But you, you'd see the guys around the hotel a little bit and the, the big smiles are on the faces. So, I, I mean, I guess it would be a stress for me to say I, I can feel a real tangible difference. I think maybe Kevin could could speak to that more than I could because he's been around longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can say it's a, it is a good feeling. Like when you go into the room after practice, after morning skate or whatever, you know, there's a lot of chatter and it's, it's in a good way. And you guys like Dave sees that if he's wearing shorts or not, he still sees whether or not there's a buzz, <laughs> a little inside joke between Dave and I, but no, it's, it's just, there's a good, there's a good feeling and a good buzz around the team. And, and, you know, when you're winning, that's, that's going to be the case for sure. Dan Robertson is our guest Saturday morning. This is the illegal curve hockey show. You know, Dan, of course, is the Jets broadcaster on the TSN three broadcasts. You know, Dan, there's, there's an adage in sports and I'm probably screwing it up, but bear with me that, you know, bad teams don't have anyone driving them. You know, uh, average teams are coach driven and the best teams are player driven. You know, from my perspective, especially when you, with what you see, 
you saw on Thursday night with, you know, Lowry and Morrissey really dragging this team through the muck and the fight, you know, just, just, even though Rick Bonus's you know impact is so significant, it still seems like this is a player-driven team. On top of that, it, it really is remarkable, you know, how how this team is all pulling in the same direction, pulling on the rope both on and off the ice in in unanimity. I agree with you, and I think Rick would say that too. That those guys and and every team is the same. Coaches can only say so much; it has to happen on the ice. But what you talked about with Morrissey. And Lowry the other night, I, I kind of felt through the game that if they were going to win it, it was going to be because something Morrissey did. And I guess in the end, I mean, it wasn't technically, but he was just, you could tell he was still keeping that high standard that he is, well, he's set for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, I, I've asked, like, when we're on the road, I, I host the games as well. So we had a pregame that meant that I was going to interview I guess it was Scott O'Neill, and I, I, well, it was either him or Rick, but I, the question was about that. Is it, do you feel like, obviously, you guys as coaches are still directing them and, and they need coaching, but how much of it is coming from within the room? And uh, the answer was a lot. And that's what you want, right? You don't, you, you don't want to have to crack the whip all the time, and you can't crack the whip all the time because you'll get to know. But when it's coming from within that dressing room, regardless of who the team is, that's what you need because then it can come from different voices or on the ice, different guys are going to step up at different times. And and to me, that's what this team is about. Um, I think we, we showed a full page graphic the other night about the, the different number of uh, game winning goals or where they've come from and just, just, and that's just offense, but how, it, how it's spread across the board. That's part of what these jets are about too. So I, I think not to get corny, but everybody I, I believe feels they have a hand in this team in a big way. And I think we're seeing that. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I really get that feeling. No, I, I, I no one's. I don't think anyone's no going to argue with that. Disagree with that, Dan. I, I think this might be maybe the, the, the tightest knit group we've seen in the 13 years we've been covering them. Uh, it's definitely a lot tighter than than the last, let's say, three or four years. That's yeah. for sure. And I, obviously, as you mentioned, winning helps. Uh, you mentioned Rick Bonus in in your answer there. And it was announced, I believe it was announced yesterday, it might have been announced a couple days ago, that Rick's going to be going to the All-Star game. And, and he did mention that he will be attending. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, first off, I mean, you know how, how beloved Rick Bonus is. Nobody, there's not one person, at least that I've come across, that said anything bad about him. Um, and, you know, with especially with, you know, the, the health of his wife, Judy, and he had to leave the team a little bit. You mentioned Scott O'Neill. He had to take over and he did an admirable job. I think you'd agree as the yeah. head coach. The Jets didn't really, uh, you know, sk- uh, miss a beat uh, when Arneal was behind the bench. But just how nice is it for Rick Bonus? I know he was he was downplaying it a little bit and he was he was saying that, you know, that's, you know, a, a team recognition and he wouldn't really. And he's not a guy that's, you know, he's a humble guy. You know that. Um, but just how nice was that for him, you know, to get that recognition and, and go to his first All-Star game, which is surprising considering how how long he's been in the league. Yeah, he's going to be 69 years old this month. And uh, when you say how long he's been in the league, I I kind of grew up a, a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And, well, I say grew up in the mid-80s when Lemieux came into the league. Uh, I kind of latched onto him. So you fast forward to, I guess it was the spring of 91, and they were down 2 nothing to the Bruins in the semifinal. They go back and sweep them. And Rick was the head coach of the Boston Bruins. I was 22 years old. 
So that gives you like, not 22 <laughs> anymore. That gives you an idea of how long he's been around. And, and when you bring that up to him, he kind of laughs, but um, not just the fact I'll say, you know, I'll start a question by saying you've been around a long time. They'll say, yeah, thanks for reminding me, but it's, it's a feather in his cap, right? It's, it's something well-deserved too, because it's, if you look at it, you go back to last year and we, I don't want to say we forget this, but I want to remind people when he started almost immediately, he got COVID and that, hung on to him for a long time. Remember he was doing some of the press availabilities and he, he yeah. kind of had to stop. So uh, he didn't make much of it, but it was, it bothered him obviously. And then things with Judy this year. So there were times when I thought, is he just going to say to hell with this? Like I I've coached forever. I don't need this. I'm going to step down and let Arnie take over. But as soon as Judy was ready to go, uh, he's right back in there. So that speaks to his, his desire to win uh, we all know he got to the final a few years ago with Dallas and his perseverance. So I'm glad. I mean, I, some people, whether, you know, I'm sure there's players and that's probably a different thing who get elected to go to the all-star game, get chosen to go every year. And they're like, yeah, whatever. But um, this is great for him. And I hope people make a big, I hope there's a lot of stories written about it when he goes. I hope there's a lot made of it because he deserves it. I mean, he, he came in and, and, he made changes right away, right? He took the, the captaincy away from Wheeler and he talked about culture change. Well, look, I, I, we, we all talk culture, 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 it's changed, right? <laughs> I don't know how you qualify that or how you, um, how you actually measure that, but it has. And that's him, right? It's others too, but that's driven by him. So he deserves this. You know, Dan, you've, as you said, you've, you haven't been in Winnipeg long, but it feels like you've been here for, for quite some time. So <laughs> now that you have been in, in Winnipeg, is there anything that's, you know, as whether it's calling games or just being in part as part of the community that, uh, that you've taken note of? Well, I don't want this to sound um, the wrong way or egotistical because it's not, but a lot of people will come up and, and say nice things. And so what reminds me is, is what what the team means to the community. And I say community, I don't mean just Winnipeg, obviously. Like mm -hmm. we were in Arizona the other day and, and mm -hmm. in Tempe at Mullet Arena, we're basically on the concourse. Well, we are, there's a little ride to build for us because it's so small, but so many people came by and wanted, they want to talk Jets hockey. And it's, you know, I can't take two steps outside the door without people wanting to talk about the Jets. And it's, I mean, I, I knew it would be that way because it's a right. It's the smallest market, and and uh, I know what kind of viewership this market has always uh, given TSN three because it means so much to the community. So even though I knew that was the case, to see it and to hear it, it's it's really cool. Like, and it's what happens is it more like ninety five percent of the time, if somebody comes to talk, they don't say, "Hey, uh, are you Dan?" My name is. It's just like so. You think of Vlad Domestikov, he's really like, like they're right into it, right? Like we know each other and it's great. So I, I love that. So uh, that's why I'm hoping that this can continue. I mean, who knows, right? We, I suppose this time last year, we were always, we were all saying the same thing, just a reminder that, that things can go south, but I get a different feeling from last year. And I just, I like, uh, just to go back to Thursday and I know that building was probably sold out because people thought Bedard was going to play. But mm. I hope that building keeps being sold out because there's an energy in there. And I, I've said this before, long before Dennis was going to move on. Like when I would come out here to, to call Canadians games, I couldn't wait because it's it's a smaller building. And one thing that I love is like there'll, there'll be little um, 
sort of subtle plays that are made on the ice where, where fans will applaud. And I'm like, yeah, these like people know what they're looking at here. So it's just kind of great to be part of a, I say part of a, a hockey community, just sort of involved in, in hockey in a, in a province and in a city where they, they love the team so much. And Dan, yeah, I'm sorry. just wanted to say one thing. I'm not sure how big of a bagel guy you are. You probably <laughs> won't be surprised that I'm a big bagel guy, but I don't know if you're aware that we do have a bagel place in Winnipeg that serves makes and serves Montreal style bagels. It's called bagel Smith and it's located on Taylor Avenue. So I'm just throwing that out there. We do have Montreal. You you spent eight years covering the Habs <laughs> in Montreal. So we have Montreal style bagels in Winnipeg. I just wanted to throw that out there. I'll Maybe I'll pick 15... some up and deliver some to you at the game. One of these days, I'll, I'll be there 15 minutes after we're off the air. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's good to know. Yeah, there's also a location on Carlton for the for the record. If you don't want to go all the way to Taylor yeah, Avenue, uh, there's one very on Carlton close to as the well. arena. Yes, yeah. I live on Carlton. I live in True North Square. So uh, okay, I'll then go. just walk I'll down go. the Check street. Check out Bagelsmith, uh, Dan. You won't be yeah. disappointed. Okay, oh, that's great. Uh, so uh, Dan Dan Robertson, our guest Saturday morning. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know, Dan on Thursday, of course, that's when uh, when Kevin. I think it was Thursday. At least the days are blending together. Kevin Shuffle mm-hmm. Day off addressed the media, sort of his his mid season address. Uh, you know, talking about the state of the team, and again, you could sense the pride that that is that was uh, emanating from him over the success of this team. But as you know, so January thirteenth tops in the NHL. Everything is going well for the Jets, but that doesn't mean that you know the, the the status quo is what it's going to be moving forward. What could you foresee the Jets looking to do? You know, come trade deadline between now and say the the deadline, which is about you know six weeks away, seven weeks away. Not that there's a, a overwhelming priority, but what do you see the Jets maybe exploring as an option? I think they need to get a little more significant down the middle. And when I say this, it's with all respect to Vladimir Mesnikov. He's, he's been very, very good. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a playoff matchup, I think you, you, you would do There we go. Hang on. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's a very tenuous setup here. I think what you would look at is, okay, uh, the opposing team would come in and they would put, pay a lot of attention to Mar- on Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. So who's going to drive the offense at center after that? Um, if they could – and you know, Chevy's conservative and, and he's a terrific GM. I think he's the GM of the league right now. I say he's mostly conservative. We've seen him go and get Stastny or Hayes in the past. I just think that would slot Vlad maybe down to the fourth line. You could leave that Lowry line intact. And if you can get a significant second line centerman, then you're talking. Because um, I just think after the all-star break, and everybody will say this, people who've played, people who coach, the level goes up like this. It gets that much tougher to play. Um and I think, I don't know what the price is. I was talking with somebody the other day, and I'm not trying to start anything. It's just a buddy who's in the in the media. I said, what do they need? He said, Elias Lindholm, swing for the fences. I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that would be pretty good. But, you know, that's Dan, the thing. Let me yeah. just interrupt you for a second. Last week on this show, Jeff Hamilton, who's our good friend from the Winnipeg Free Press, threw out the name Crosby. So as long as you're below Crosby, <laughs> you're not going to be causing any sort of problems. Well, uh, I'll uh, use my Nova Scotian roots and uh, give Sid a call. No, I, I don't have his phone number. But uh, I suppose Rick could use his Nova Scotian roots. But no, I think at center, maybe, and maybe a little bit more uh, a big guy on defense somewhere. But, you know, the defense has played so well. I, I think what's going to happen, though, there's going to be injuries, right? We we had the, our, our great graphics guy, John Matheson, sent us something the other day saying that the Jets, their top six, they've had more, more games played out of their top six 
than that started the season than any other team, just to say how healthy they've been. But we all know that if you're going to make a long run on the playoffs, you need you need bodies, you need quality. But to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that uh, number two center spot, which would cost a lot. That's surprising to hear because it's not like they haven't been without Connor and Velarde for for you know weeks at a time there. Yeah, just the defensive, the the top six D, not the oh forwards. top six D. Sorry, I thought you yeah. meant the top six forwards. My bad. Yeah, no. you're right. The defense, by and large, uh, has been healthy without you know the exception, of course, of Billy Hainala, who was you know on his way back. So maybe there's the internal if you if there is a need for internal assets coming from the back end. You know, as Hainala is down with the moose, getting his games in there to maybe he's the guy who could potentially come up if the Jets explore that avenue. I'm not causing any trouble here or anything. Yeah, and you feel for a Logan uh, Stanley or Declan Chisholm, they just they just can't get in, right? But that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Dan, you just mentioned your Nova Scotian roots, which leads nicely into my question about Morgan Barron. And before I ask about Morgan Barron, I have to give Dave M credit because you know he's been flying the the Morgan Barron flag since he was playing for the Moose, because as you know, Dave M uh, covers all the Moose games for a legal yes. curve and. You know, he's already tied his career high in goals with eight. He's playing on the fourth line. You know, he's playing about 11 or 12 minutes a game. He obviously, you know, kills penalties. Um, what has stood out to you about Morgan Barron? Because to me, he, you know, is kind of one of those unsung heroes. I mean, we've talked a lot about the forward depth. They've got contributions from all four forward lines. But Morgan Barron seems like a guy that you could really put put him on any line and you know what you're going to get from him, which is just, he's just a good all-around hockey player offensively and defensively. He is, and I should say to Dave, I, I was here's my Friday night. I was listening to the Moose Laval Rocket game on TSN 690 radio last night. So there's my Friday night. <laughs> uh, but no, Morgan, he's playing. He's playing his game. I think is what we're seeing. So, and what that game is is using his body. I mean, he's six four, two twenty. I think he's listed at, and he's driving the net, dropping his shoulder. To, he's he's found the niche, and I. Like this guy, when he gets ahead of steam, when he gets his legs pumping through neutral ice, he can be, uh, you know, difficult to take the puck from. So uh, he's got an outside chance at 20 goals. So, if it, you know, it might not happen. But if you think about that, uh, with his limited minutes that you talked about, even if it's 15, right? And I know we, we like to, you know, equate numbers with, with uh, levels of performance. Sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it isn't. But if he can do that and continue to play sort of sound defensive hockey, and that's great. That looks good for his future. I know we were, we looked at some numbers the other day, and I'm not an analytics guy at all. I should be, but um, it was basically their the Jets' fourth line against other fourth lines in the league, and how well they've done mm-hmm. possession-wise, and it's it's really been impressive. But I, I like it. I like the fact that he's he's not trying to be someone he's not. He drives the net. He lugs bodies with him. Like you said, he's a good penalty killer. And that was the cop trade, right? I mean, that's you, you think about things that Shea's done. <laughs> Like that was a good trade, and so just remind me, did they get a, a draft pick, and I can't remember who they flipped that into. I think it was Sal. Uh, wasn't Sal, Sal Monson? Monson? Yes, yeah. yeah Sal so, Monson. so you, you look at those sort of things, and sometimes it takes a while for to see what what trades do for you in the long run. Well, with respect to Andrew Kopp, who's a good player, uh, that was a hell of a trade. So, and I, I like seeing Morgan do well. It's I actually. It was neat. Uh, his folks came up and we started chatting. They grew up f- 45 minutes from where I'm from. And this was that was the week, so it would have been December the 18th, the Canadians were here. And, and Justin scored, I think, right, to win yeah. the game in overtime. Yeah. And I said, I know that's not your first time seeing those two together, but, like, what's that like? And the, his mother was just, like, smiling and didn't really know what to say. So it's that's a cool story. But I, 
I really like his game. I don't know what the offensive ceiling is. I don't think it matters. Uh, he's got a role and he knows how to play it. Now, Dan, when we're talking about numbers, we're looking at some of the historic numbers that this Jets club has put up. And wh- which one is the most impressive to you? When you look at it, is it is it 31 games without giving up more than three goals? Uh, you know, and the, the modern record is 35 by the 14-15 Minnesota Wild. Is it the eight now eight straight wins? Is it the 14-game point streak? I mean, there's so many things that this team has done. And I think Drew is on the uh, 11 straight games with two goals or less uh, yeah. streak as well. I so. Am. This team has done so many things that have been remarkable since that loss against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, what, what to you really stands out? Well, it's hard to go against that, uh, the one you just cited with the two goals or less. But if I, if I go to the, the 31 games, I mean, you would think there'd be just a, a no-show in there somewhere where they gave up four or five goals. But it's just not happened. So just doing my research the other day, it was their goals against in their last 31 is 1.9. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's hard to do. I, I know they've got tremendous goaltending, but it's to me, that's that's we talked about um, things being driven from the players. And I, I asked Rick this when that streak was going, it was maybe 27 games in. He said, well, I don't know if the guys know about the streak or if they care. But the point is that they they've set a they've set a standard, um, especially de- well, not especially defensively, but certainly defensively when they don't have the puck, they'll all play the same way. And I, I think. That's what we're seeing. And and they've done it without, you know, stellar penalty killing. It's been better the last little while. And they've not allowed many power plays. But to me, that that's part of it too. Like Kevin Sawyer has said this, and he's right, that they've done all this without great special teams. So mm-hmm. you would think at some point, either the power player or the penalty killer, both are going to come to life. I think, I think it really only matters when the playoff starts. Uh, playoff start but um yeah to me the, the 31 games with the three or less and it all started november the 4th in uh in arizona so when we were there the other day we kind of recapped um what they've done in that time because it's a you know like what chevy said and the players said they haven't won anything yet and it's true but i think you have to sort of celebrate these little little things along the way and and appreciate what they've been able to do this season no, absolutely. The season is such a grind at 82 oh. games that if you don't, if you don't celebrate the sort of the small victories or the the small milestones, then it just becomes far too much of a slog. And I, I want to just highlight an interesting uh, comment from Eric Dehatchik of the Athletic. And you, you know, I mean, we all know and love Eric and respect him for his years of of covering the NHL. A Hall of Famer. Yeah, he is a Hall of Famer. And he points out that the 14-15 Minnesota Wild, the record that the Jets are chasing, that season had an was an absolute doldrums in terms of offensive output in the league. That's the year that Jamie Benn led yeah. the entire NHL in points with 87. I mean, 87 points. I'm pretty sure McDavid already has that this year. <laughs> or you know, Kucherov is getting close yeah. to that. But uh, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know. What the Jets are doing in twenty in twenty three twenty four, where scoring is far more elevated than it was in fourteen fifteen. So if you're going to compare eras, even though they're only a decade apart, some context matters in that instance, Dan. Yeah, and I'm going to steal that from you for Tuesday's game against the Islanders, just to show the goals per game across the league. I, I wouldn't have thought that, but that's. But Dan, give fun. Dave credit though. No, no give I'm, Eric I'm not, credit. I'm, I'm not giving anybody credit. I'm taking it as my own. Uh, no, it's that's I will actually, but uh, give Eric credit. Um, that's that's a good point. That's that was my second year broadcasting, and I remember thinking like we were in Dallas near the end of the year, and I thought so. Ben had like 84 points, and I thought he's going to win the scoring race with fewer than 90 points. So yeah. I know that's not a topic we're on, but 
God, hockey is so much more fun now than it, to me than it was nine, ten years ago. Didn't right Josh now. Morrissey have eighty-four points last year? Seventy-six. Yeah, <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. Basically, yeah. You, you talk about Morrissey, and there, you know, you know, he. I don't think that there's a time where he's going to get the credit that he fully deserves. Whether it's a function of being here in Winnipeg or never putting up the marks, the points that say Quinn Hughes or Adam Fox are are, are putting up in some of the or Kale McCarr, of course, uh, the benchmark, the gold standard, as far as I'm concerned, among defensemen right now. But just what Josh Morrissey's been able to do on both ends of the ice probably does deserve more credit and recognition beyond just those teams that are those individuals who watch the Jets on a regular basis. I would say, and I, I would ask the three of you this, I, I was thinking the other night, like, so I didn't expect that he would put up points at the clip that he did last year. Uh, right. Not that he's a lesser player. It's just, that was a special season. And, uh, but when I watch him, I don't, like there's not been any step back at all. Uh, And I think he's even better defensively. If I don't know, maybe let's just, you know, you watch games and you sort of think, wow, does this guy, and I want to sit and talk with him when the confidence came to like, he makes, he'll make reads and he'll act on them, whether it's to pinch, he'll rush down to the hash marks in the offensive zone or he'll, I mean, he'll how many times when he has the puck at the left point and he'll do the head fake and cut to his right, yeah. How many times has anybody stripped the puck away from him? Like, he's just supremely confident and as physically gifted as he is. I mean, he's a wonderful skater. He's got that blast of a shot that we saw the other night. Um, to me, his intelligence is is maybe the most impressive thing. And and it's just neat when you see – and, again, I wasn't here to start, but everybody tells me he concentrated so much on defense when he got into the league and was very good at it. But then something turned a long way where we're and maybe we get bonus credit for this too, right? Last year he was really on him to say, uh, we we need more from you. There's more there. So that yeah, the guy, he's brilliant. It's it's just when does he have a bad game? I, I don't know. I it's not saying he's perfect, but the the consistency is is pretty remarkable for me. Dan Robertson is the Jets broadcaster on the TSN three games. Lucky to have you in town for the second year, Dan. I got to ask you, you know, after after Tuesday, you got like a two and a half week break without calling any games. What are you going to do? 19 days. You know the number. I've had that number written on my on my wall for <laughs> since, since October the 4th. What am I going to do? I'm going to head back east and uh, just kind of take some time to relax. I've been, I've been sick the last week and a half and trying to get through the broadcast. So hopefully, I mean, I'll get better here in the next few days, but it'll it'll be nice to have some time to get ready for the Islanders broadcast. But it's, it's a funny feeling. Um, even tonight, like I'll watch the game and, and, it's nice. We do 60 games this year out of 82 and it's, it's nice to have the breaks, but there's almost a feeling of jealousy or like, I wish I was calling that game or I Mm. should be there now, you know? So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to complain. It's great to have the time off. And even then when we come back, there's, I mean, there's a time in February where we have like eight days off just because of the, because of the Sportsnet broadcast where they have exclusive rights to Saturdays, Mondays, and Wednesdays. Uh, and that's what's happened here. We have a run of those and then the player break and, and so on. So it'll it'll just be a matter of paying as close attention as I can to when they're playing. And But at the same time, when they're not playing, I just try to forget about things. And, uh, you know, I've been a little bit run down, as I said. So I'll try to get my sleep back on track and uh, and try to feel a little bit better. So, Dan, does Kevin come with you to, to Nova Scotia? Or is Kevin <laughs> going to, like, Mexico or Costa Rica or something? Have you seen the movie Brothers? 
<laughs> where we have the bunk beds lined up and I'm on the top, which is hazardous because I'm the big body and I might go crashing through in the middle of the night. No, you know what? I, I think he's probably headed to the other side of the country. Kev's a BC boy and I know he's got some work to do and he's uh, works his guts out when he's there with his, with his uh, properties and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's fun. We're good friends and we, We'll text back and forth. Well, that hap- that's happened too, where we're not doing games. And, uh, you know, we're with our producer, Kevin Pratt, too. We're kind of texting all in a, in a triangle about what's going on. So uh, he'll, get some, he'll get some R&R as well. There you go. Dan Robertson, well-earned R&R after Tuesday night. You still got to power through Tuesday night against the, between the Jets and the Isles. But uh, we look forward to watching the broadcast, as always. And we appreciate your time and insight this morning. I hope you're well. Be well and uh, keep well. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Dan. Oh, a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. There he goes. Dan Robertson, Jets broadcaster, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. When we come back, more on the Jets and the Flyers ahead of tonight's game in downtown Winnipeg. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. This January at Boston Pizza, every day is Pasta Tuesday. That means BP's famous pastas start at just $11.99 every single day. Create your own or go gourmet for just a few bucks more. Come on in for Pasta Tuesday pricing any day. Only this January at Boston Pizza. So you're a pizza person. You married a wing person. But somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it! Again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com.
Big thanks to Dan Robertson, TSN Jets broadcaster, for joining us for that really insightful in, uh, interview. We don't often get a chance to uh, speak with Dan, given the busy schedules that we all have and his work uh, related to the Winnipeg Jets. So it was great to catch up with him this morning here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Uh, quick update again from Morning Skate. Uh, no Mark Shifley. So that's not a surprise. Have not heard any official word from Rick Bonus. He has not yet spoken regarding uh, Shifley's status for tonight but he was not on the ice it wasn't optional so that doesn't necessarily mean yeah no surprise there right uh but uh Ehlers was out there Axel Janssen Fialbi was out there Rasmus Kupari was out there and if you're just joining us and you may have missed this Kyle Connor was out there in a regular jersey so taking contact the only player in yellow was David Gustafson as he continues to battle something I'm not even sure if we know what uh, his ailment is lower body uh, I think lower body upper body mid body something. but separate against that the Bru- I think it was that Bruins <laughs> that tells game. us a lot Dave <laughs> it was it December 22nd against the Bruins so uh that's yeah, the last right. time we've seen David Gustafson who was remember the day-to-day the Gus right. bus has been parked it has, been West has, has been parked at least uh, temporarily. Uh, I guess it's going on about three weeks or so now. So uh, yeah. obviously the Jets would like to get him back and healthy and get the whole lineup back up and healthy. And as soon as we have any more from the Winnipeg Jets morning skate, the Flyers aren't skating today nope. because uh, they played last night in St. Paul. So it's the second half of back-to-back for them. But as soon as we have any more from uh, the uh, Winnipeg Jets land, we will bring it to you here on IllegalCurve.com. Did you and see who course, was last night in Philly? Bobby Brink. Is that yeah. who you're going to say? And he's from Minnesota. I know. Well, Tort's going to Torts, and we'll talk to Anthony Sanfilippo, who was uh, on the receiving end of Tort's going to Torts earlier this week uh, related to the Cutter Goche reporting and everything along those lines. Uh, and so we'll talk to Anthony Sanfilippo about the Jets' opponent, the Philadelphia Flyers, coming up in about 25 minutes time. Uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and I mentioned it to, in the interview with Dan, he spoke to the media earlier this week, his sort of mid-season address. He did this one. It's interesting. I mean, again, I love looking at sort of between the lines and reading things between the lines. Last year, the mid-season address happened when the team was on the road in Buffalo. This year, as the team is going well, it happens at home with all the media here in Winnipeg. And I mean, I know that I shouldn't look into things like that, but I can't help myself. Uh, in any event, Dave, you were there at the match Frost Media Center, you know Kevin Cheveldayoff, you know at best is circumspect uh, regarding sort of the 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 plans and his thinking and his strategy, but you could definitely feel the pride that he was uh, demonstrating and the pride that he was showing for how the team has been playing so far. With the caveat that he did say, "Look, we haven't accomplished our goal or anything yet." been a nice 41 games but it doesn't really ultimately mean anything because the next 41 in the playoffs are going to be what really matters at that point it was 40 games drew but but you're right i mean <laughs> i'm kidding but look I'm he, proud. There's no, yeah there's there's no question he was he was beaming from all the way from blaine lake saskatchewan population 500 yeah. to uh his time in brandon and then of course being here in winnipeg representing folks on the prairies and you know he was Judy Owen of the Canadian press asked him about, you know, that pride he feels. Cause as you said, Drew, he's his usual self where he's not giving you too much uh, information. And, and again, Rick bonus has been saying this and it's not surprising that Kevin shovel off is repeating it. They haven't accomplished anything. They haven't won anything. And they've been here before last year. And while we would all agree that this is a much different team than it was last year, they, you know, they know the peril of getting too far ahead of their skis. And so they don't want to, uh, to do that, they don't want to have to take a tumble. 
And so they're, they're measured. And, you know, he, you know, was asked questions about, um, you know, making additions to the team, changing the chemistry, what sort of thing that would look like. And of course, you know, not surprisingly, he, he said that they're having their pros and amateur meetings and they'll be, you know, those, I think that's happening either next week or the week after, but ultimately, like I said, it was, it was, there was definitely like some pride in this group, pride in the, I guess his sticking to his plan. Right. Because remember, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of folks, a lot of folks who said not as and Dave, just for the record, but there were a lot of folks who felt that this team was needing to be blown up and needing to be, uh, the whole process kind of restarted and Kevin's Jevel day off to his credit, stuck to his guns and, made the moves that were necessary, trim the fat, if you will. Like, you know, they, they bought out Blake Wheeler. They traded Pierre-Luc Dubois. They brought in guys who, as Rick Bonus would say, want to be here yeah. and want to be Winnipeg Jets. And ultimately, they've been rewarded. You know, again, look at the seasons that, you know, I, I guess the only notable thing that we really learned as was that he had had some sort of conver conversations with Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello, who are both UFAs at the end of the season. But the funny part about that and is... Chevy just loves conversations. He does love a good conversation, but it's amazing to me because I'm in that press conference. I'm listening to his words live, recording them for our YouTube channel and, of course, IllegalCurve.com. And it's amazing the headlines that I read after the fact. It's like Kevin Sheveldayoff has opened negotiations with – it's like, no, he said he had a conversation. He didn't say he was opening yeah. negotiations. That was on TSN, and I was like, boy, that's someone who got their headline completely wrong. But ultimately, you know, he talked about DeMello and – Dylan and having, you know, chats with their agents. And then Elliot Freeman on 32 thoughts made a comment about how the jets would like to keep Dylan DeMello. Um, so they're, you know, he, he, uh, Brendan Dylan 33, uh, Dylan DeMello is 30, but ultimately it was a, it was a very typical kind of mid season address with Kevin shovel day off. We never really got anything of, of Uber significance. I would say other than anyone like I ask said, about Cole Perfetti. Uh, well, just even in terms of him being as, uh, at the center, you mean? No, in terms of Perfetti being a, an RFA, obviously, I mean, I don't think anybody expects him to be signed, but that's going to be an interesting one, guys, because, I mean, obviously there could be a bridge deal there, but is Perfetti not a guy you consider locking up long-term? Well, I was going to say is just quickly, the only thing that really was mentioned just that is that with respect to Perfetti was more just His Kevin Sheveldayoff was what? His development. Well, no, no, no. It, it, he was met like I think Murat had hang, mentioned. Hang that on, he had, hang on, hang on, hang oh. on, hang on. Let me just interrupt. Uh, Rick Bonus does confirm Mark Shifley will not play tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. You were right, They're, Drew. Dave yeah, and I were right. Surprised. Well, I was right too. I said the same thing as well. Stop patting yourself on the back. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. If, I don't you know, know if it, you put it on the record. We put it on the record. I'm going to mute you. Uh, so no Mark Shifley tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. There are a couple of game time decisions. So the Jets may go 11 and seven yeah. uh, against Philadelphia, which is what we said in our number one. Not a surprise necessarily. Yeah. So I would assume think it's those... going to be Stanley, not Chisholm. Well, Stanley was the one who took the warm up on Thursday against yeah. the Blackhawks. Uh, and I would assume the other game time decisions are, are I don't want to speculate as to who they are going to be. So it's not worth talking about, but no Mark Shifley. Well, tonight. At, at, true. Actually, on BLB for it would be a reasonable one based of on course. him being he took the morning. He, last game. he was on the He's ice. The yeah. Yeah. Uh, so no Shifley for the Jets tonight. Not a surprise given how he left. It wouldn't surprise me if they gave him Tuesday night off as well, but we don't need to get ahead of ourselves. That gives him almost a full nine days of recovery uh, be since the injury happened on Thursday night. As You're not a doctor, but you'll take a look. Well, you know that. But the Jets don't play after Tuesday until next Saturday afternoon yeah. uh, against Ottawa. So it sorry does make for interrupting it, you there. No, no, it's okay. It does make a lot of sense to give 
Scheifele the next two games off and let him, like you said, don't play till Saturday against Ottawa. That, that's a lot of, it makes sense, especially given the way the season has gone and you've built up a lot of points. And again, you're not, you're not handing anything off by not having him in the lineup because you have to have that next man mentality. Anyways, getting back to Perfetti, um, you know, with respect to the, you no, know, what, what Kevin Sheldayoff said regarding Perfetti was he talked about the performance bonuses that mm-hmm. he's going to achieve this year and how that would impact the salary cap. So that was kind of more just, he said, like the salary cap, you have to factor in that, you know, there are guys who have performance bonuses. I believe it's only Perfetti this year, actually, but maybe I'm wrong. But I think it's only maybe Sandberg, too. But I think it's a legal Perfetti. gives you a perform- performance bonus as well, Dave. I appreciate that. But ultimately, you've got uh, he just was talking in that regard, how it would impact the salary cap uh, this season for the Jets yeah. and at the so trade the, deadline. So so the, the way performance bonuses work, let me just for people who don't know. So the maximum performance bonus that Cole Perfetti can earn this year is eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That gets applied to next year's salary cap. So it's it's not something that would apply to this year's cap. It's a it's a it's a it's charge yeah. on next year's cap. So that's why the Jets sort of have to factor that in. That Cole Perfetti is obviously going to get a significant raise from the just under nine hundred thousand dollars he's making this year on his entry level contract to whatever the raise is going to be, plus potentially another eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that's I what, think again, it's going to be interesting, guys. And we're going to be talking about this probably more in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether Perfetti signs a bridge deal, like a two-year deal. But I, I just think, you know, there, you have to think that there's a good chance that it's going to be a long-term deal, Dave, because, I mean, Cole Perfetti's 22 years old and he's having a career year. I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. And so I just, just wanted to throw that out there that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, think, I don't think any Jets fans or any hockey observers will be surprised if the Jets lock up Perfetti long-term. Well, he's on pace for about a, you know, just under a 60 point season. Right. So you're right. Mm -hmm. If he's, you know, if you're in in his really second full year as an NHLer, you know, and he had injury concerns last year, but if you're putting up 60 points at this age, you know, this early in your career, you're right. Your your development curve is pointed upwards. And Perfetti's ceiling could honestly be 80 to 90 points. And 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 I'm not exaggerating or being sarcastic. I mean, I do think he's that skilled that. He, he has an 80 to 90 point season in him. Again, he's only 22 years old. Yeah. I mean, Drew hasn't been 22 years old for 50 years. And nobody's giving me any sort of uh, significant signing bonuses or anything along those lines. Um, but you're right. So that's, uh, you know, that is a, the Cole Perfetti question is one more for the offseason, certainly. But going yeah. back to sort of Chevy's comments, and you mentioned, you know, there, he's had introductory conversations with DeMello and with, uh, and with uh, Brendan Dillon. And again, those are things that are likely not what I would describe as, as pressing. I wouldn't expect, you know, anything to get done you know, on that front necessarily before the end of the season, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe, you know, like Niederreiter, they will, they, you know, they say they want to make a, a, a commitment and, and, and get that done. That's fine. But obviously I think the trade deadline is probably more of a, uh, of a pressing area of concern or more of the focus for the Jets front office team at this point with the yeah. scouting meetings coming up and everything else along those lines. You mentioned Elliot Friedman, Dave, on 32 Thoughts with Jeff Merrick, the podcast edition. They mentioned Matthew Joseph out of, uh, out, Ottawa. Out of Ottawa as a player that the Jets might have uh, 
their eye on. And he's a winger, and he's about 26 years old, I think. Uh, you know, he's with, been with the Senators for the last couple of years, was with Tampa Bay before then. I think he won a cup with the Lightning, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, as you can uh, you can fill me in on that one if I'm right on that. Um, and apparently, you know, you again, right. Ottawa, yeah. he Ottawa's a, been... He has a cup ring. Ottawa's been such a mess that they're looking to maybe change things around there. And Joseph would be a depth winger, but somebody the Jets, apparently, according to Merrick and Friedman, have uh, at least have a half an eye on at the very sure. I don't know. Player. I don't, I don't, I don't know be... what, what would you be giving up for? Like, I, I don't really, I'm asking because I don't really know. Like, are you giving up a, a prospect? Are you giving up, like, obviously, I don't think you're giving up a, a high draft pick. It's not like a first round or anything, but no. Like, are you giving up a, a I, I don't know, like a, I, it's it's curious. Like that's what I would be curious about. What the Jets would have to give up to get Joseph? And I don't have the answer to that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't either. That's would why I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, I mean, again, if if Ottawa's, I mean, this is a guy who's got like two a third years round pick, August. maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking a second or a third at that point in time. I mean, again, given where the Jets are as of late, now granted it does depend on where they finish the season, you'd be talking about a mid to late second rounder. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, for a guy with term. So it's important he's not a rental. He has how many years, years does he left? have left, Drew? Two years left on his deal after this one. At what how much? He make? At just under three. So $2.95 okay. million. Yep, that's fine. So, I mean, again, it's not a huge price well, tag. I mean, it's not a huge price tag, but remember, you know, Mike, Mark Shafley yeah. and uh, Connor Hellebuck are eating up that, that jump in cap space. So when their contracts go up next year. The only thing I'll each- say, Dave, is that I don't know if, like, I mean, Drew asked Dan Robertson, like, I'm, I, I feel like if, look, the Jets have a good enough team, I think, to go all the way. I really do think that that the way they're playing this year, they have a good enough team. I I think as Sam Mandel returns, how's it going, Sam? Keep going. I think you know two C is what I'd be looking at, and a depth defenseman. Like I don't know, Dave, with with how well Dominic Toninato and Axel Janssen Fialbi have played on the fourth line, and then you've got David Gustafson coming back, right? Okay. So I just don't know if. Did the Jets need like does Matthew Joseph like does he is that a significant improvement in what the Jets have in the bottom six? Is all I'm saying, right? I just don't, I, know I, don't, I, I think the Jets' bottom six has been great this year. The third and fourth lines have been great. Look, it could could you know maybe Mason Appleton bumped down to the fourth line and Morgan yeah. Barron goes up to the third line, or maybe Alex Iafallo gets bumped down to the third line, right? I'm just saying, Matthew Joseph to me, I don't know if he moves the needle that much for the Jets. Well, the question you know, is, why, like, why do you need a winger? Why do you, why on a team? Well, that's with, what I'm saying, with, right? With plenty, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm just reiterating yeah. the point because I just don't know that they, a wing is where we're, why we're even having this conversation. And just to be clear, Drew, I don't know that Friedman gave the indication that the Jets were looking at Joseph, other than I think he was seeing a team that, you know, Ottawa, like thinking that maybe Ottawa has a need to move him out potentially right. and maybe seeing that he's a player who could go to Winnipeg. But like, I'm on the Sean so Mon- Monahan bandwagon and I was on the Sean Monahan yeah. bandwagon last year. He's having a real good season. Like, to me, he would be a nice second-line center for the Jets. I, I think Sean Monaghan is the guy that a lot of people are sort of looking at. Now, he's a pure rental, of course, unless you re-sign him. Yeah. But he's a guy that, you know, he he's defensively responsible. You know, I'm sure that he, getting out of face Montreal... Off. He can win faceoffs. Getting out of Montreal would probably rejuvenate him a little bit. Although, remember, he's been pretty good in Montreal when he got it. You know, the, the Flames basically, you know, uh, it was a bit of a salary dump to, that the Flames yeah. did to, to get to get him off their books and go to Montreal. And he sort of found himself again in Montreal. But any of these players who are going from teams that have no hope of the playoffs to a team like the Jets or a team of the Jets ilk, they get just a, an energy boost going from a season of doldrums to a season of potential. 
And so I think good, Sean good Monahan. Good face-off guy. Uh, yeah. I, I, you probably only have to give up, what, Dave, a second-round pick maybe? I well, mean, you got Nino Niederreiter with an extra year in his contract last year for a second-round pick. I don't think you necessarily have to give up a first-round pick. And then the other part of this, guys, is like, you could make a strong argument to the Jets at this point really need to make any trades with Vili Hainola uh, going to be back soon with the Jets and Kyle Connor coming back soon and David Gustafson coming back. Like, I think you can make a strong argument. Jets are first overall in the league right now without Kyle Connor, without Vili Hainola. Yeah. I, I think there's a strong argument to be made that the Jets really don't have to do a ton at the trade I, deadline. Again, I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying that, like, do you want to mess with a good thing at, at this point? I, and by the way, there's a lot of time before the trade deadline. So, I mean, a lot can change in the next, uh, what is seven it, seven weeks. weeks away, right? Yeah, yeah, seven weeks. Just to jump off Ezzy's point, I think that it's a fine line, right? You have the chemistry of the team that has brought you here. These guys are, these are the horses. These are the horses that have you've ridden for the last, since September, right? And we're January now. So that's, that's a number of months that these are the guys who have gotten you there. And are you going to upset the apple cart by making too significant a change? Now, Drew, you're, I know, on board, and you've often advocated that you don't wait until the trade deadline. You get those moves now so you can get the guys into the lineup, right? get them acclimatized to the culture, and be part of the system so you don't have that sprint from the trade deadline to the end of the season. But and theoretically, me, they, they help you for more games that way. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. of course. But but again, it's also just that idea that you're now building chemistry with those guys. Right. To me, it's about depth. And it's about depth that you have to factor in injuries, right? And so, look, the Jets have gone through injuries right now. And it's mm-hmm. it's great. And I agree with Ezzy. Could this team, as it's constructed, when 100% healthy, challenge for a Stanley Cup? They clearly can. They're the number one team in the NHL. So they obviously have the, the ability to do that. But the question becomes, as the Jets have experienced, right? I mean, think about it. We don't have to go that far back in playoffs, you know, against last year against Vegas. Lose, don't have Ehlers. Lose Mark Shifley. Josh Morrissey, I think, got hurt, right? Like, you, you, you deal with injuries to major guys. And if you don't have something that can be replacing that in some capacity, then, then it's a problem. So, look, it, it is a question of, you know, do you want to swing for the fences and go for a Lindholm out of Calgary? I mean, he, he'd be – I don't think they're going to do it. And I think there's too many other teams like Boston and Colorado. I think the price tag is going to be significant to get yeah. him, someone like that to be your 2C – but that, I mean, that that would be quite the upgrade. And then, as you said, Drew, you could very easily move Vladimir Mestikov down to four, and you've got quite a depth from Shifley, Lindholm, Lowry, and Nemestikov. I'm just, I look, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I you think could do something. Is, I think the exactly. cost of I'm Lindholm is too I, I'm great. Not, I'm not on the Lindholm train. I, I think no. the cost will be too high there. I mean, it depends. Are you getting the Lindholm from three years ago? When yeah. he was when he was a different player than he is now, I mean, you know, he hasn't shown signs of being that player anymore. Has anybody His shown game... signs of being that player in Calgary right now? No, fair enough. So you're maybe thinking <laughs> you you acquire somebody from Calgary and you hook him up to the rejuvenation machine that you have uh, handy in your house there, Dave. Uh, and, and all of a sudden he becomes what he once was. But you know, th- that's a big risk to take at a big cost, likely. Whereas you can go For get sure. a guy. Because uh, you know, you're talking uh, about a first rounder as opposed to Sean at, Monaghan, who might just be a second rounder, right? Well, so if you're the Jets, you already own Montreal's second round pick. Can't you just flip that back to them? I mean, right. I'm yeah. not saying it's that simple or that it could happen tomorrow. But, you know, if you're the Jets, you're you're dangling that second round pick that belonged to Montreal, similar to how the Jets, uh, you know, got that pick back from the Rangers that they uh, that they uh, used uh, to acquire. I guess that was Kevin Hayes, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, yeah. When they traded the first rounder to, to the Rangers for Kevin Hayes, then they got it back in the Truba trade. Right. 
then I think I'm getting my timeline right on that no, one. You're right. um, yeah, okay. Again, it seems like the, that cost is going to be a lot less than than the Lindholm cost, uh, you know, just given where the you know, the reputations of the players, you know, Lindholm, uh, you know, unless you're you know going a layer deep, you hear Elias Lindholm, you know, not the same guy he was you know, two years ago, whereas Sean Monaghan, in fact, has probably improved his standing from two years ago. Well, and again, I think, you know, the thing with Monaghan that's interesting, Drew mentioned this, he's in the last year of his contract because yeah. didn't he sign a one-year deal with Montreal yeah, last summer, one-year right? deal. Less so, than one year, bucks a year. 1.97 or something and, like and that. And he's yeah. on a team that obviously has been out of a playoff spot for the majority of the season. So he's motivated to join a team that is at first overall in the league, right? And again, this is all speculation, guys, right? Like, we're not, we're not, this isn't the, you know, Jets, Jets should acquire Sean Monaghan show. All I'm saying is that Sean Monaghan is a heck of a hockey player. He's having a good season for the Habs, and I don't think the price tag would be that high for him. No, well, and, and as C-Mac just said, it, it definitely sounds right out of Kevin Shevelday's playbook, right? It's to, to do something like that. And so you do that, maybe you make an ad, a depth add on, on the D. They have um, to find this year's Jordy Ben, right? <laughs> Somebody exactly. like that. yeah but uh look i mean it's it, it's hard to argue right now with what the jets are doing and the jets are only the first place team and setting all sorts of records but you don't win the stanley cup in game 41 you don't right. win the stanley cup in january so we know it's going to be harder for this jets club now one of the things jpvj who obviously played the game talks about is is the idea that when you are already a stingy team, that's an advantage for your club and, and playing sound defensive hockey. I mean, even in games where the Jets aren't playing particularly well, right? Even against Chicago, and we know Chicago doesn't exactly, they have a laundry list of injured guys, but they don't have a laundry list of guys who are NHLers uh, in that lineup. But ultimately, even when they were down, they're down one nothing. This team isn't, you know, mm-hmm. being blown out as, as Dan talked about in that last hour. So um, right now the Jets are chugging along. And it, so it's hard to argue, oh, this team needs to do this, this, and this. You know, can they make, can you, and again, you don't obviously taking anything off the current roster to make a trade. That's the other thing you have to think about, right? So a team like Calgary, I think is going to want the the world for, for Lindholm and, and look, Kevin Sheveldayoff is essentially looking for this year's Paul Stasny, really guys. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. the kind of move he's going to be looking, a guy who's going to fit in well, who's going to mix with this group properly. And again, going to be able to able to elevate this group and get them to that next level. And that's what he's looking for. Uh, I would suspect. Let's go to break. Our good friend Anthony Sanfilippo is going to join us on the other side to talk about the Flyers. They're the Jets' opponent tonight. Just worry, guys. I don't think we have a lot to talk about with Anthony. No, no. (laughs) As per usual, there's nothing going on in Philadelphia, but uh, I think we'll somehow struggle through that interview with our good buddy. Stay with us. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on this Saturday morning. Bottom of the hour. That's hour number two. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Reminder, later tonight, the Illegal Curve post-game show. Right about 8.45 p.m., Dave and Ezzy going to drive that bus tonight after tonight's Jets and Flyers game. The Flyers come into tonight's contest third in the Metropolitan Division, a surprising st- uh, a surprising place for them in the standings, given how most people thought their season would go. 
show to talk about the Flyers. We're thrilled to welcome back to our program our very good friend, someone that we've been talking to for close to 15 years on this show. It's our buddy from Crossing Broad, Anthony Sanfilippo. Anthony, great to see you this morning. How are things? I'm doing all right. Just had uh, the last arrows pulled out of. of <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know what I learned, guys? I learned um, that in a football mad city, the yeah. best way to get people to not talk about football and to talk about hockey is to get screamed at by John Tortorella. So <laughs> that's, I, I, we, we, we figured that out. We learned that we learned something there. And, and, and I mean, again, that uh, we'll talk about that interaction or you can ask me about <laughs> it to start. I mean, you know, actually is a, is a cute word for it there. Drew. Well, you know, <laughs> I, you, know you, you stood there and you took it, which is an important thing to do as a as a writer. You have to yeah. stand there and sometimes take the uh, the slings and arrows when uh, when the head coach delivers it. But at the same time, just because Tortorella doesn't agree with reporting. And I think this is an important distinction for people to remember just because the head coach doesn't agree with reporting reporting or doesn't like what something was reported doesn't make it factually incorrect because we go we've gone back a long way yeah. uh, a legal curve and anthony and frank saravelli when he used to work for the daily news and everything else and there's been plenty of times where you guys have reported things in that philadelphia marketplace that uh the the organization and the coaching staff don't like but at the same time also had a strong base in reality yeah. attached to so two things can be true at the same time that's true not my first rodeo and uh with getting yelled at that's for anthony sure. when we first had you on back in the in the in the college kick fm days you were writing for the delaware county daily times for for those who don't know so yep drew's right i mean we we go back 14 years and i was gonna say anthony i believe torts is in town now because they were in minnesota last night so yes. i can i can head downtown and and you know confront him <laughs> if you want <laughs> you don't want to do that you, you don't want to confront torts come on now as he's been and, on the receiving anthony's been, anthony as he's receiving, been on the receiving end rangers coach <laughs> Richie bugged me, and, and and I think we've talked about this before, Anthony, because, uh, you know, back in the day when you used to travel to Winnipeg, we probably talked about this. But when Torts was the coach of the Rangers, Rich said, why don't you ask Torts why he only has a couple of coaches on the bench? Because one coach, one assistant the, coach, I think. Right, because obviously yeah. most teams have two assistants and one head coach. The Jets actually have three with Marty Johnston, Brad Lauer, and, and Scott Arneal. And uh, Torts said, what the hell kind of question is that? And it was a little <laughs> bit viral on, on YouTube. So, yes, I've been on the receiving end, uh, Anthony. So I Not do to have the same some arrows in my back as well. Yeah. Yes. Not to the same degree that you experienced it this week. But, you know, all good. And yeah, of course, it's all good. Uh, you know, what I wanted to ask you about, Anthony, though, so like the noise around the Flyers this week and not necessarily uh, uh, their fault with Cutter Gauthier yeah. declaring he didn't want to pay, you know, play for them and them making the decision to trade him and acquire Jamie Drysdale. But, you know, and when we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that, but, you know, has that sort of taken the luster off the shine that has been the Flyers season to this point? Because this is a Flyers team that most people had pegged for a strong rebuild year. Meanwhile, they're still third in the Metropolitan Division. They've been exceeding, I think, everyone's wildest expectations, yet that isn't the topic right now. Instead, it's all this other noise that that, that took effect this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it, it's interesting because I think this, is, this was kind of like a, a uniting thing in our city. You know, the mm -hmm. Flyers, as you guys know, we've talked about this in recent seasons, but um, the Flyers had kind of fallen a little bit off of the public radar in Philadelphia. Sure. I mean, it really had. I mean, it was such a bad situation with the previous leadership and, and as bad as the team was, and nobody really cared about them. And then you bring in Keith 
Jones and Danny Briere, and now Dan Hilferty is running the show as the CEO of Comcast Spectacor. And they kind of like try to do some things to bring the fans back. And they're getting some good crowds down there, whatever. But you get a player who doesn't want to play in your city. Nothing, <laughs> nothing unites a fan base right. in Philadelphia like something like that. They all rallied around the Flyers and got behind them. And now this is the first time they're taking, a lot of people are taking notice of the hockey team. And they're, you know, they're supporting it. And then all of a sudden it's like, you look at the standings and go, wait a second, I thought this team was bad. <laughs> and, they're, and they're not. They're not a bad team. Uh, they're not a top team by any stretch of the imagination, but they are, they're right in the middle of the pack. Um, and that's a little bit of a surprise for a lot of people. And I was talking about this, we were talking about this on the podcast yesterday. The thing that we were all wrong about and that we thought was going to be the worst part of this team coming in and why they were going to be bad this year has been the defense. It has been surprisingly good, surprisingly good. And and that's a lot of credit to Tortorella and to his um, assistant. We talk about it's funny you talk about assistant coaches, but Brad Shaw, who runs the, the defensive uh, side of things for as an assistant coach, they've worked wonders with a bunch of Guys who you thought were just guys. Um, you know, look, Travis Sandheim's had a real nice breakout year, right? I mean, he's had a real nice year this year, again, um, to really kind of become a little bit more of what they thought he was when they drafted him in the first round. Uh, Cam York has developed really nicely, but it's more, th- more than those two. When you look at guys like Sean Walker, who was a throw-in in the Provorov trade, and, and Nick Sealer, who's just been like a number seven defenseman his entire career, right? Those guys getting Rasmus Ristolainen to play with more uh, consistency on a regular basis. Uh, and then developing a kid like, like Igor Zamula. You know, I mean, that, that whole group. And now you added Jamie Drysdale into the mix as well. It, it's actually becoming a strength of the team when at the beginning of the year, we thought it was their most glaring weakness. So kudos to the team for, for getting that that part of the game going in the right direction. Would you agree, Anthony, that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts when thousand, it comes to the Flyers? thousand percent. I mean, who's a star on this team? And Konechny's having a really nice year, right? He's a good goal scorer. But, I mean, if you put Travis Konechny on almost any playoff team, he's not a top-line winger. He's just mm-hmm. not a second-line guy, right? I mean, so, but, so he's, you know, he's probably their best – Offensive player, Couturier is Couturier. You know what he's going to be, and he—it's—he's a great story, probably an underreported story in the sense that he almost missed two full years of hockey, and then came back, and and it didn't take long for him to get back to being, you know, a Selkie Trophy kind of player. Not to say that he's going to be nominated for that this year, but I think that he can get back on that track, you know, in the next year or two as long as he stays healthy. Um, but he's had a really, really good year. But other than that, I mean, really, who are your stars? And so it's it's been a good team defense, and they've gotten very good goaltending. And lo and behold, they're in the middle of this whole thing, and and nobody expected it. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a fun story to to follow along this year. It really is. I, I think they deserve uh, you know people's attention. You know, Anthony, I, you mentioned the defense, and you went through the Flyers' top six defensemen. And I wanted to ask you about Jamie Drysdale because obviously a lot of people in the chat, a lot of Jets fans that are going to be going to the game tonight downtown between the Jets and the Flyers. I mean, this is going to be his third game with the Flyers. And I got a chance to watch the majority of that game between the Flyers and the Wild last night. I mean, what a comeback victory yeah. for the Flyers. It was on nationally on, on Sportsnet. So I think, you know, I, I, quite a few people were, for, were watching that, obviously, with the Jets not playing. And you mentioned Igor Zamula. And I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard of this guy uh, you know, a, a couple years ago, 
And I think because I, I think he only played parts of I'm just looking at he yeah. played uh, 26 games prior to this season. He's played 33 games for the Flyers this year. And a few things I wanted to mention. Jamie Drysdale coughs up the puck to I think it was Joel Erickson Eck in overtime, right? Yeah. And then he gets back and he makes a play on Erickson Eck and doesn't take a penalty for those who weren't watching. So he makes a really nice play after he coughs up the puck and uses those that good skating and takes the puck away from Erickson Eck and doesn't take a penalty. And then it's Zamula out there at uh, three on three, or I guess it was four on three overtime. Yep. Uh, because uh, Matt Zuccarello took that penalty, that tripping penalty, right? Yep. And then it's Joel Farabee who, who tips the puck in. It was his second goal of the game. And then he had the game winner. So, I mean, it just looks like, uh, you know, for the last few years, Anthony, it seems like that Flyers team probably would have, would have lost that game in regulation. But it looks like like they've they're building on something here, and so the question I wanted to ask you was about Drysdale, and and what's kind of stood out to you in his first two games, and the fact that the Flyers were able to get him and not give up a player who's currently on the roster to me was significant. Look, Cutter Gochi is a good prospect for sure, but the Flyers are able to acquire a, a top pairing defenseman without giving up somebody who's currently on their active roster. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that that's a that's a good point. And then one other thing that you know, I don't know if you guys uh, get get this kind of you know pay attention to this kind of information, but it's kind of like a little thing locally. Is you know in the off season the Flyers um, brought in uh, former Ducks GM Bob Murray mm-hmm. as a senior advisor, and and don't lose sight of of the importance of that in this trade because he knew he had more intel than most teams would have on a prospect from another team like Jamie Drysdale was. So, you know, he knows a lot more about the, the kid and, and, and what he's like and what's, you know, what his strengths and what his weaknesses are. So it really kind of gave the Flyers a, a good foundation to work on, not just scouting him playing 10 games for the Ducks this season. Um, and then you watch him you watch him play, and getting to watch him play, I, the first thing that just jumps out of that is just how smooth of a skater he is. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how how good of a skater he is. My, my partner on the podcast, Chris Terrian, you know, played in the league for a long time and he says to me he said he skates like coffee he skates like Niedermeyer Whoa. like I mean I mean yeah. you're talking about like comparisons not to say that he's that going to be that good of a player but what but his skating ability is very similar he says what it is is it's you see a guy pick up speed while he's gliding he said that's a very rare thing in the sport of hockey and it helps him to get that first pass out of the zone it helps him to get up ice and we heard Tort say he's a candidate to be a rover, which is something that they really want. The Flyers play a little bit of a run and gun style, which is so we are so not used to seeing that in Philadelphia, right? I mean, <laughs> it's very we've always been big, heavy, you know, physical team, but to see a run and gun style, and so you plug a Jamie Drysdale with his skating ability ability into that, and say go up ice, young man, even you know take some chances, get gamble a little bit. You're going to see him pick up a lot of points in a lot of ways, like like Travis Sanheim has done this year. Although I think Drysdale probably has a little bit better of an offensive skill set than even Sanheim, who's had a really nice year. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited about adding him and adding him right away, and not be a prospect that's one two years off. You know, Anthony, we've got to ask you about the goaltending. You need good goaltending in this league to do anything. The Jets here, of course, have that in Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois. Uh, I've been a big fan of Carter Hart for many years, and it seems like he's having a good season. Samuel Erson, the fifth rounder. Jets know some Jets fans know something about fifth rounders coming in and becoming something uh, special. So, what do the Flyers have in in him, and is he 
was he expected to kind of take this jump and be the backup to Hart this season? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, last year during a, during a very bad year for the Flyers, Erickson got to play a little bit. And, you know, people were telling me around the team, like, this kid's going to be a number one goalie in the NHL. He's really got that ability. And they've really kind of, you know, put it into a situation this year where it's been a little bit 50-50 between him and Hart. I mean, Hart's still the starter. Hart's still going to get a few more starts. Carter had an um, an illness uh, and, an, and an injury earlier in the year. So um, Erson ended up starting, I think it was like five in a row. Um, and he really got to see how good of a player goalie he could be. Um, he's solid. He's a really, really solid goaltender, and and it's a he's a nice compliment. You want to talk about the defense being really good? Goaltending has been just as good. I mean, you look at the game the other night, um, the last home game that they had, and 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 Erickson plays in that game against Montreal, gives up two goals in the first period, doesn't make a save. They were the only two shots Montreal had. Both were goofy tips. One was a really weird dire- uh, deflection that popped up in the air and then landed behind. Uh, Erickson, but he didn't make a save in the first period. You get to the third period, though, Montreal's pushing a little bit, and he makes a, a, a huge save on a breakaway. He makes two big saves in overtime and then shuts the door in the shootout. The guy is really good on breakaways, really good one-on-one. And uh, so if you get an opportunity to see that tonight, it'll be interesting to see see how you know the Jets' you know, offensive skill players against uh, against uh, Erickson on a breakaway would be a, a nice little matchup. But he's been he's been awesome. Um, and, and, you know, most teams don't have what Winnipeg and Philadelphia have in the sense that you can rely on either goalie in any given game. And so it's, it's, a, it's a good good problem to have, I think, for, for both teams, really. Anthony Sanfilippo is our guest Saturday morning. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. He covers the Philadelphia Flyers for CrossingBroad.com, the Jets and the Flyers, later tonight in downtown Winnipeg. You know, Anthony, so let's get back to the, the Goche for Drysdale trade. We know the yep. sort of the on-ice impact. We know that Drysdale is going to certainly support and help what had been the uh, NHL's worst statistical power play at the bottom of the of the league and success rate uh, on, the, on, the, on the power play. Why does this trade happen? Cutter Goche has said some words. They've been a bit of a word salad. You reported that, you know, Kevin Hayes had an impact on this trade. Uh, you know, as this week has gone on, are we any closer to really figuring out why Cutter Goche decided that he didn't want to be a member of the Philadelphia Flyers? No, we, we, we don't know with any uh, 100% certainty, and that's because he won't say. His right. agency won't say. Nobody will say, come out and say what it is. So, you know, we're left to do some digging. And look, there's a, there's a lot of different things that came into play here. Um you know, he when he let's let's go back to when he was drafted. He was drafted, and he said, "You know, I was born to be a flyer." Puts a jersey on at the draft. Like, I mean, it's like this guy is going to be great. And then what happens in the in the year after that? Because let's be the one thing that we do know is the last time he talked to the Flyers was after World Championships in May of twenty three. Did not speak to them since in any capacity. Said wouldn't talk to John Leclaire or Patrick Sharp, who were like dev- player development guys for the Flyers. Wouldn't talk to uh, Keith Jones and Danny Breer, who flew to Sweden for the World Juniors this year to talk to him. Wouldn't talk to anyone. Okay, so we know that what happened. We have to figure out what happened between the draft in 22 and May of 23. Um, One of the things we know uh, now, which came out, uh, I guess, a day after or two days after the trade was that he wanted to play in Philly last year um, initially. 
and that the Flyers wouldn't guarantee him a spot on the roster. Really just what it really comes down to. They basically said, yeah, you got to come in, you got to earn it. And if you don't earn it, you're going to go play in the A, in the AHL. Um, don't think he liked that. Don't think he liked, you know, he, I think he wanted to be treated a little bit different being the fifth overall pick in the draft. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that, look, and what I reported about about Kevin Hayes, and, and I want to clear this up. I don't want anyone to think that I was saying that here's Kevin Hayes holding his hand all the way through over the last year, right, taking him right up until the trade, like, don't sign with Philly, don't sign with Philly. That that certainly was not what I was saying. But what, what I was saying was, you know, the Flyers originally, when he was drafted, they asked Kevin Hayes to kind of befriend Cutter Gauthier. So, look, you're a veteran. You're a leader on this team. Kevin Hayes, at the time, was an alternate captain, okay? Mm-hmm. You went to Boston College. See if you can, like, make a relationship with this kid and get him excited about coming to play to Philadelphia. And so they made that connection. They went and played golf together, right? And Cutter Gochek has been was quoted as saying, hey, he's like a mentor. It's great to have his phone number in my contacts. I can reach out to him at any time. So those things all happen. But then what happened with, with Hayes over the course of the – following season once torts gets in as the coach he gets basically treated poorly by torts i mean he, he was an flyers all-star who was a healthy scratch he right. was benched for periods at times uh those things all happen well look guys you know i know everyone knows in the world of sports not just in hockey players talk to each other and they ask each other all the time Hey, what's mm-hmm. it like playing in that city? What's it like playing for that coach? What is the, what's this teammate like? What's that? They all talk. It's a very little, you know, it's a small world, a small community. So you combine the, the, the thing of what's going on with, with you know, I want to play and they're not guaranteeing me a spot. And then you hear, you know, maybe Torts is not the greatest coach to play for. He's really hard on on players. He's a, he's a, he's a difficult guy. And, and you kind of put all those things together and you say, well, do I really want to go there? And that's, I think that's ultimately what it is. It's a bunch of little things that get kind of put together to add up to uh, maybe I don't maybe I won't succeed in Philadelphia. So I'm not going to play for you guys. Send me somewhere else. Anthony, I wanted to. Oh, sorry, Drew. Go ahead. If you have, I was just going to say it's. I mean, there's not a lot of precedence for this happening in recent memory. You know, to my mind, you know, especially to a to a large market city like Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, you can maybe. You know, look, we here in Winnipeg know that there's players who uh, don't necessarily want to sign long term here. You know, uh, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois comes to mind. Jacob Truba comes to mind. But they play out their term here and then they depart. You know, it's sort of relatively unprecedented for a a player who's never established himself in the NHL to start making, to start dictating things like this. Uh, You know, it's just, it is a bizarre situation. Uh, You know, I'm sure the flyers are sitting there saying, you know, what did we do wrong? Or, you know, trying to both figure out, you know, is this a situation of the kid is entitled or did they actively do something wrong that needs to be rectified moving forward? Yeah, I I don't get the sense that the Flyers really did anything wrong here. I I really don't. And I think that this is an entitlement thing that is growing in uh, U.S. college athletes. I mean, when you look at other sports, you look at like the NIL money and and how all that works and the transfer portals and kids are just like, oh, well, uh, oh, you're not making me play enough. I'm leaving. I'm going here. And you're getting all, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of transfers. They're getting paid money to go to schools now. Um, It's just it's a whole different environment in in college athletics. And it hasn't really creeped into the world of hockey 
just yet in in college, but I think you're going to start seeing it. And this might be the first the first shoe to drop in that regard with with college hockey in, in the U.S. And I think that that's part that's part of it. I think it's a total entitlement thing uh, in that regard. Look, there's an argument to be made, and we're sort of veering off, but you know, bear with us. When folks. do I there's get to ask my question, Drew? Come on. No, sorry. <laughs> there's an argument to be made that you know drafts in general should go by the wayside and players should be able to pick their destinations within parameters because not every player can play for the same team. You know, and that's in all sports. But I mean, you know, I don't get the sense that Cutter Goche is trying to be a pioneer or the you know the the leader of a revolutionary charge. I just think that he seems like he's more just you know for whatever reason upset with the flyers organization i mean yes i mean I, again i look at it from this perspective and look it's happened in in, in other sports as well i mean you know i mean I, I, people want to make the comparison to to lindros but it was different there lindros told uh quebec not to draft him don't draft me don't draft me and they did anyway right um, and the colts going way back right. you know other you other know, instances yes yeah, I mean, and, I, yeah. and i'll do respect to cutter Gauthier. like yeah, Eric Lindros is a Hall of Famer. The fact yeah. that you know people are comparing that, Anthony, I think you would would agree. It's like, okay, guys, like this is not the same situation here. Exactly, it's not the same situation. And 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 again, he wa- wanted to play when he was drafted. He wanted to be a Flyer. He said, "I was born to be a Flyer." So I mean, it's, it's again, that's that's the difference between those two. Um, we had it with you know, we've had it in Philadelphia with JD Drew in baseball. I mean, Eli Manning didn't want to play with the Chargers and force the trade to the Giants. You know, these things do happen from time to time, but I, I think you're going to start to see it more with more regularity. I think that the, there is that what Drew was just saying. There is that belief that's out there that you know these kids should have a more of a determination of where you know picking where they get to go as opposed to I automatically have to play for for a such and such a team. Mm-hmm. But my response to that is this. You're 19 years old. You've you're lucky enough, you're fortunate enough to be drafted into the best league in the world. Establish yourself first. Then if you want to force your way somewhere and say listen, this isn't working out for me here. I want to go play somewhere else. Fine. Become you know, do it that way. But don't don't try and make it out to be at 19 that I can dictate where I go. And then then the, the, it's, you're only making it harder on yourself because then the, the spotlight's going to be even harsher. Oh, this is the guy that didn't want to play for that team. And then you go and look and see, oh, is he is he good? Is he any good? No, he's not. Ah, now it's a, you know, and then you don't get as you don't get as much rope. You don't get as much rope to to develop at that point. I think it's a I think it's bad for yourself. You should really have the opportunity to show yourself play first and then and then make a decision at that point. And Anthony, I I, I want to, you know, ask you a question about like not about Cutter Gote, but you know, just as an example, Dave M and I were talking about this yesterday or 2 days ago, sorry, after the Jets Hawks game. Look at some of the best players on the Jets right now, whether it's Josh Morrissey, whether it's Kyle Connor or Cole Perfetti. They played in the American Hockey League. Yeah. Before they 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 starred for the Jets, right? So unless you're Patrick Laine, who, who went right into the NHL at a second overall pick. Most guys play in the American Hockey League before they, before they establish themselves or before they get that shot in the NHL. So again, I think Cutter Gauthier is going to be a good player. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that, you know, it, to, to just think that you are, are entitled, I think is the word you used, yep. to just get a spot in the NHL, I mean, I, I think is naive, right? That's, there, that's all I wanted to say about that. There are special players 
who get to come into the league straight from junior right. or straight from yeah. college. Whatever. Connor Bedard, Connor right. McDavid. Yes, there yeah. are special and, players. And Patrick Laine, like I said. But yeah, yes. I, I think, you know, Dave Dave covers the American Hockey League uh, more than anybody or just as much as the somebody who covers the American Hockey League a lot. He goes to all the Moose games and he'll tell you, you know, Cole Perfetti. I mean, he had to, you know, learn how to play the pro game in the AHL and now he's having a breakout year. But I wanted to ask you about Bobby Brink. Because obviously, you know, I, you know, Brink was a healthy scratch last night. I think you knew we were going to ask you about that. Yeah. It's another torts-related question, but yeah, I mean, was he just benched, Anthony, because he hasn't been playing well lately? I, I've obviously, you know, I watched the game last night, but I don't watch a lot of Flyers. Um, and and so, why was he benched last night by torts? And do you expect him to play tonight versus the Jets? I think the timing was was totally torts making a you know sending a message, the timing of it. But if you go back, we we had been talking about this for a little over a week because, you know, we had heard rumblings that uh, they were considering pulling him out of the lineup because he had not has not been playing well. Um, I thought he was a little bit better in his last game um, before he got scratched in Minnesota. I thought he was a little bit better against Montreal. Um, but if you take the, the games in totality – He's really struggled probably for the last seven, eight, nine games. Um, and, you know, they don't want young players to kind of get into bad habits. And so it's they're going to they're going to make a young player come out of the lineup and and reset. And, you know, while they were thinking about it, they were thinking about doing it for that home game against Montreal and didn't. They were thinking about possibly sending him down to the AHL. They didn't. Um, but the message gets sent. We're going to have all this family show up in Minnesota. You're not playing. And while you could look at it and say, that sucks for the kid. That sucks for his family who made the trip to the game and everything else. It does. But this is the NHL man. Like, you know, this is the, and it's the same thing I said with when they did it to Sanheim and he did it to Sanheim in Calgary last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's the NHL get over it, you know, play better, and, and they're going to have their conversations with you. Like, it's not like it's not like Torts and Bobby Brink aren't talking. And then he just, you know, pulls the pulls the rug out from under him in Minnesota last night. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, it's a tough league. And if you want to stay in it, it's not just about getting there. It's staying there. If you want to stay in the league, you got to do things the right way. And so, I like, I look, it worked with Sanheim. I, I, I don't see why it couldn't work with Bobby Brink as well. I expect that he'll get back in i i do i i don't know how long they can go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen i think you're, you're going to kill your forwards with the amount of minutes that they're playing because you can't roll a regular fourth line so i think that they eventually are going to have to go 12 forward 6d again it might be tonight especially on a back-to-back you know um so i think he'll play tonight i can't say that with any with any certainty though Anthony, just one last question, um, and, I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here because this player is, is somebody that uh, not a lot of people in Winnipeg or Manitoba have heard of, but Man. definitely in Philadelphia, uh, they've heard of this guy, Massimo Rizzo. Yes. He's a guy that they acquired from the Carolina Hurricanes. He's currently leading the NCAA in scoring, or he was leading the NCAA in scoring. Uh, had his numbers up here. He's got uh, 34 points in 21 games. He's a 22-year-old. He was a late yeah. draft pick of the Carolina Hurricanes, and then the the Flyers acquired him. Um, I forget for who it was, but it was uh, they acquired him for the Hurricanes. And I want to ask you: it, Do we know? Like, I know like some people are now paranoid that maybe the Flyers aren't going to sign Massimo Rizzo. We should mention too; he played with Bobby Brink 
at the University of Denver. But yeah. do we have any inclination at all what's going to happen with him? Because he obviously hasn't signed his his contract yet with the he, Flyers, right? Yeah, no. So that was a if you go back, that was a uh, in the summer they tried to make the trade, uh, the Tony D'Angelo trade to Carolina for Massimo Rizzo, and the the league basically put the kibosh on it because D'Angelo originally was acquired from Carolina and they were like, well, well, it hasn't been long enough since that happened. And so whatever. And so Carolina and the flyers basically made a make good deal um, to, to eventually send Rizzo back to the flyers after the fact. Um, well, I mean, it was, the league was so wrong on that. It was different, different general managers, different everything. Right. I mean, it was just a whole, it, and it was only off by like a, a month. It was so silly, but um, anyway, um, I, the Flyers were, were really high on Rizzo. They thought that there was something there that they liked a lot. They really wanted to get him in the system um, as soon as possible. And then, of course, he has you know this having this great season. He played Spengler Cup, um, so that was a that was a thing too. Um, and they like him a lot. And you know, part of the reason that I think they felt even more comfortable making the trade of um, Cutter Gauthier when they did is you have a kid like Rizzo having the year he's having, a kid like Denver Barkey for the London Knights is having the year that he's having there as well, um, also play similar positions. And you sit there and say, we have we have some prospects who can play wing and score that we think that can come into the league eventually and, and be here again and, and make a difference. They feel comfortable with it, and that's why they were cool giving, giving up, you know, getting a defenseman for Gauthier. So, um, yeah, I think that they think Rizzo can be something, and I think that they will – they will figure something out and work something out. Uh, he'll be beloved in Philly just because of his name. He sounds like, he sounds like he's from South Philly. Right? Well, like uh, I think, the, I think uh, the, he might be Italian, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, <laughs> like the just, like big Dom on the sideline for the Eagles, except yeah. he's not on the sideline anymore, and the Eagles can't win without him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Anthony yeah. Sanfilippo covers the Flyers for CrossingBroad.com. He's a longtime great friend of this show. It's always great catching up with you, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy tonight's contest. We look forward to reading about it from the Flyers' perspective, and we'll get together real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, boys. And I got to tell you, the one thing, this is the first time I've ever been on your show where you guys have like the best team in hockey and I don't know how you're handling it. So it's it's, it's nice excited here, Anthony. I I, got to tell you, like uh, people, people are fired up. It's uh, yeah. Jets fans are flying high for sure. You guys all have smiles on your face. It's unbelievable. It's great. It's it's even Drew, who's usually, you know. Uh, Look, my, usually my, that curmudgeon, right? So the yeah. only reason I have a smile on my face is because we're with Anthony. As soon as you're gone, <laughs> I'm back to my usual dour, negative mood. Don't don't get mistaken. This is because yeah. of you, buddy. Oh, uh, all good. Thanks, man. Appreciate negative it. Negative Mindy is what we call him, Anthony. <laughs> Thanks, Take care, Anthony. boys. See Take ya. Care. Yeah. Our good friend Anthony Sanfilippo joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Dave M, do you want to do a moose minute from last night's moose game, or do you want to do two no. tonight? Uh, two tonight. It was, it was it was that bad last night again, was it? No, I mean there's stuff to talk about, but we can talk about it tonight. The show's okay. Over. We'll talk that up. That'll be during the post game show tonight after the Jets and the Flyers. So again, it is a shortly after 6 p.m. puck drop uh, between those two teams in downtown Winnipeg. If you're just joining us now, um, no Mark Shifley for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. So some roster questions. Some Ehlers is a question mark. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Mm. 
I don't know why Ezzy did that. At the very least, we can talk about that Brad Lambert goal. Um, yeah, well, we can. The Moose spotted. I'll just be quick. The Moose spotted Lavala. 3 nothing lead. The Moose are mired in a losing streak to end all losing streaks, unfortunately, for them. And it doesn't look like it's getting any better. They got Billy Hainola back from the Jets now that he's been medically cleared. That was one of the other things that Kevin Cheveldayoff revealed. Uh, so he got assigned to the Moose. Um, it's weird, though, because some of the language being used was, was incorrect. Folks were like, He's there for, he's on a conditioning assignment. It's like, he's not on a conditioning assignment. He's been assigned. He's there to get his conditioning back. Yes. But um, anyways, he, he didn't play last night. Of course, they lost uh, Rasmus Kupari. So no Dominic Conato, no uh, Axel Jontan Fielby. They're absent a few veterans. And of course, uh, Chaz Lucia is still dealing with an ankle situation. Wyatt Bon Giovanni, a knee situation. So they're, they're definitely lacking in some forward depth. Moose, uh, yeah, like I said, spotted the rock at a 3 nothing lead. Uh, tried to get it back, a couple power play goals in the second period. CJ Cease, he got his fourth uh, with a nice little goal mouth scramble. And as as he said, if you haven't seen it, check it out on uh, Twitter. Uh, Brad Lambert oh, uh, revs, up the, revs up the engine from the uh, from the Jets, from the Jets, from the Moose end. It was a little Nikolai Ehlers esque, if you will, and uh, he he puts it home on a nice little goal, nice little celebration by Brad Lambert. Uh, that was his team leading twelfth goal of the season. Uh, assist to Nikita Chibrikov. So those two of uh, the 20, 2022 first rounder and 2021 second rounder combining. And they're the ones, the co-leaders right now for the Moose in uh, points with 25 each. So um, the Moose aren't doing well. The kids are showing they're all right. And uh, they'll try and end the losing streak tonight in Laval with the rematch. Uh, I'm not sure. I think puck drops six, but I, I can't tell. I can't remember exactly when it is. Well, whatever the puck drop is, we will have coverage, of course, of the Moose Laval game on the Illegal Curve post game. They show, lost, which... by the way, five two. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> they ended up I should say, right. I should say. So they, they made it three two, and yeah. then twenty seconds after Lambert's goal, they gave up a goal to make it four two, and then Laval added another goal in the third to make it a five two game. So they ended up losing the game, if you couldn't tell. And uh, now, like I said, their losing streak is, I think, six games. They're twelve and eighteen right now. So uh, not or twelve and nineteen. It's it's not good right now in Mooseland. The only good news, if you want to think about it, is if the Jets get healthy, get Moose get some players back. Uh, the Moose really the central, especially the bottom three teams are are weak. So they're, it's not they're not completely out of a, a chance for making a playoff spot. There you go. An abbreviated Manuk Moose minute, a more fulsome one coming later tonight on sure. the Illegal Curve post game show following the Jets and the Flyers. Eight forty five, give or take a couple of minutes. Back here on our YouTube channel, Dave and Ezzy will drive the Illegal Curve post game bus tonight, and then I'll return on Tuesday for the Jets and the Islanders. Andrew, you're going for a sound bath tonight, right? A sound bath. What is a sound bath? Google it. I've gone for one before with Naomi. Google it. Okay. A sound bath. Somehow it's relaxing. I fell asleep during our sound bath. I'm somewhat terrified, but yet intrigued at the same I time. Assume, I, I assume this show was a sound bath. <laughs> is that like a sensory deprivation sort of thing? Is that what it is? Sound bath is a meditative practice that involves lying in a reclining position and listening to soothing, overlapping vibrations from traditional instruments. Yeah, that's what this show is, Ezzy. I All need right. more information as to how when you and Naomi did here's this. A, but here's a sponsor. It's not an anaerobic activity, Drew. <laughs> there we go. <laughs>
Big thanks to our sponsors. They make the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. That's our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Two shows tonight. Chris Locke is performing. Very few tickets available. Get them. RumorsComedyClub.com. Grid Park, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Bethway. They're the title sponsor of the post-game show. Tough Duck. Get your Tough Duck comments ready. You might walk away with a Tough Duck toque on the post-game show. Boston Pizza. We'll be at Boston Pizza pizza on the wednesday between the jets and the leafs that's our next live on location broadcast no Boston wings for pizza, drew taylor avenue be there for uh, illegal curve live on location seagram's they're the sponsor of the seagram shot of the game Rollies transfer and of course if you're looking for a beer to drink tonight we strongly recommend illegal curve lager at farmery brewing number two donald street or available on all of the delivery apps big thanks to all of you for joining us this morning on the illegal curve hockey show big thanks to dan robertson big thanks to anthony san filippo it was a hell of a fun show podcast will be available shortly after we end and the immediate replay on youtube of course immediately available that's why it's the immediate replay if you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, tell your friends, tell your family the best place to be Saturday mornings. And again, after each and every Winnipeg Jets game is the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. Dave and Ezzy will be back later tonight, 8.45 p.m. with the Illegal Curve postgame show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Until later tonight, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. This, if it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.